When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, friends? Happy, happy Tuesday, one and all. That is Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. What's up, Gunner? Gunner's popping. Uh, pop and lock, Derek, as we speak right now. Let's go. Come on. Come on. What are we doing? Right. Oh, yeah. I used to robot. get that back in the day, baby. Plug in the robot. Back in the day. Yes. Breaking to Electric Boogaloo was, was my favorite, man. That was oh, a good one. Goodness. Let me tell you something. If I try to do half the stuff I did back right now, I'd be in traction. I am with you, man. Right now, what I was just doing now, I heard bones cracking like knuckles popping, man. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. What did I just step on? Oh, it was my bones. Yes, I know. I know. Oh, what's up, Jalen? What's up, Kenny? What's up, Mood Swing Bella, Fitness Rebel, M. Reyes? What's up, Neil? What's up, Brandon? What is up, Sweenball? Jalen Jenkins. Yes, hope I didn't miss anybody. Appreciate you guys. Neil uh, Watson, yes, welcome, welcome. Up. Yeah, yeah, let's do this thing on this Tuesday. Yeah, um, you know we're coming off of a uh, uh, Monday night doubleheader. I, I'll still say this, Derek. I, I would rather they have spread the games out a tad more uh, than they did. I understand it. Uh, I get it. But I, I give give me a little bit more, maybe an, a nine o'clock start for the second game rather than the first game. Um, both relatively entertaining I, you know i carolina got a cheapy late which made it look closer than it was but um you know the pittsburgh game while ugly had its moments for sure um i agree with your initial statement um but i disagree here's why the second game that started at 8 15 didn't end until after 11 30 yeah so if you pushed it back to nine ish you're talking about after midnight which means the networks lose part of that significant 
let's let's face it, this, the East Coast audience is way more dense than the West Coast and the Midwest audience. Yeah. So I understand why they staggered them like this. And we got two more Monday night games coming up. I know. Um, Eagles are the first game, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Um, I covered I cover that uh, Pittsburgh-Cleveland rivalry for 10 years um, when I was working for NBC in Pittsburgh. Rob, let me tell you something. Last night, the boys were hitting. It was old-fashioned mugging last night, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, all you heard the whole game was pop, 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 pop. Yep. And I mean, when I say these fan bases and these teams hate each other, they hate each other. Cleveland hates Pittsburgh because they've had so much glory in their history uh, in terms of Super Bowls, four and six years, mm-hmm. you know, then the Ben Roethlisberger era. Um, meanwhile, Cleveland has been a, a vast wasteland of disappointment. <laughs> Since 1999, they've had over 30 starting quarterbacks. Yep. Um, they've had one losing seat, one winning season under the current regime. They've only had a couple losing se- a couple winning seasons in the last 20 something years. Um, and so there's a lot of envy from Cleveland and there's a lot of gloating from Pittsburgh. And um, let's face it, recent years, it's been a Pittsburgh dominated series. Yeah, for sure. It has. And, and yeah. they, they won ugly last night and in large part because of their defense. I mean, you had, Obviously, Watt being disruptive as he always is doing what yeah. he's doing, but Highsmith making plays. I mean, they were just making plays. I didn't think Pickett looked particularly good. I didn't think Deshaun Watson looked good at all. Uh, he's fortunate he didn't get booted from the game uh, on top of that. Um, but the thing that overshadowed that game, Derek, was the injury to Nick Chubb, which oh. I, 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 let me give props to to ESPN. They didn't show a replay of it. Out, out of because it was so gory and bad. I get it. I have no issue with that. I know some people didn't like that. I'm 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 fine with them not doing that. But it was again as someone who's a fan of the game. I hate injuries. Period. But I hate seeing a guy like Nick Chubb go down because he's so good and he's so kind of old school. I mean, he finished third in the league in rushing last year. He is a power back with speed. Um, he is a fan favorite across the country in terms of just like just like watching running backs run the football. As the announcers are talking and explaining and giving props to ESPN, which I will also do yep. for not reshowing the replay, they reshowed it on the Jumbotron in Pittsburgh. And while they're talking, you hear the entire fan base in, behind them going, Oh, yeah. You know, and then unfortunately, as unluck would have it, very, there's various angles of it you see on social media. So because inquiring minds need to know, I had to look at it and I, and I grimaced, man. His leg bowed like I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and Rob, it made me cringe. My wife goes, I can't look at that. I, yep. I can't look at that. Yep. That dude tore up everything in his knee, man. Yeah, oh. it, was, it was terrible. Now, um, we're going to have today someone who has some pretty good perspective on it, who, who went through something very similar at 1230. Yep. Former Eagle fullback Leonard Weaver is going to join us. Leonard went through the same thing in 2010. And unfortunately for Leonard, never played again. Um, you know, and I hope that's not the case for Nick. This is the second time that he's torn up that knee. Yes. Um, he did it in college when he was at Georgia and he's going to try and come back. Obviously I, you know, it was, I, the other thing I kept thinking was, man, how hard is it for these guys to dial back in after they see their teammate or, or, or a guy they're going against go down like that. It's, it's gotta be really difficult. Well, as you know, last night, as soon as they clear the field, the next play Cleveland scored, you know? And you have to read. You have to have a certain mental conditioning to to see something like that, because initially you're thinking, "Man, that could have been me. That right. could have been me." Um, 
and, and refocus on combating an opponent across the line of scrimmage from you. Um, and Cleveland scores on the next play. But, you know, there's a lot of guys thinking I – mean, these guys go to practice and go to every game thinking, I could be that next dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you think about the great gruesome injury to Joe Theismann when Lawrence Taylor fell on his leg on that Monday night game and snapped his leg like a twig, and you see Lawrence Taylor jumping up, screaming for somebody to come out and get him uh, because he knew what had happened. We've seen these things time and time again, Rob, and they're not easy. They, they, they don't get any easier to watch. Yeah. Um, and uh, so with that said, I reached out to Leonard because I was at that game in 2010 against Green Bay. And later I went down to Birmingham, Alabama, and spent two days with him doing a rehab, did a, did a rehab story on him. Rob, let me tell you something, man. Uh, the average person couldn't go through, number one, the annoying, laying there on the ground knowing that your leg is torn up, the excruciating pain, and the months of rehab that you try. The fact that you're trying to get back to play football again is, is grueling enough. Yeah. But just to be normal and, you know, as Leonard will tell you, the leg is still not 100% right, even today, you know, what he went through. but And that's the reason why I reached out to him, uh, because if anybody can lend insight, bring it close to home. What we saw Nick Chubb go through last night is Leonard Weaver. I, I agree. So we'll talk. To, not only that, when we, he obviously keeps a very close eye on the Eagles and the NFL, so we'll, we'll hit Leonard with everything, but we'll certainly uh, do that as well. Yeah, so uh, Pittsburgh wins essentially on the, on the fumble recovery and TJ Watt going in uh, and then the early game, New Orleans. What I got to tell you, I didn't come away overly impressed with any of the four teams. I, no, I didn't expect no. to be impressed by Carolina. They're still building this thing, but um, New Orleans didn't overly impress me at all. No. Um, uh, Pittsburgh's offense. I still have question marks and I know yep. they're down some people and, and same with Cleveland. I, I, I don't know that Watson gets back to peak form where he was in Houston. I don't know. Uh, I haven't he, seen it so far. Outside of Nick Chubb, he has everything else. He still has an athleticism, but the accuracy is not there yet. Yeah. He still has a laser for an arm. I'll give him that. But he is not on point yet with Amari Cooper the way I thought he would be at this point. Um, and that offense is not as smooth. And obviously, you know, that young kid who took over Jerome Ford is a oh. stick also. Woo. You know, so they're in decent hands with their running game. Not Nick Chubb, but their kid is not a bad runner. He's going to make a name for himself this year. Yeah. Um, but in terms, here it is, week number two, and we're still seeing a lot of sloppy football. The only thing that I saw that I wanted to see last night was that intense rivalry between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. That aspect of it lived up to expectation. Yeah, no, I listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was definitely physical. There's no doubt about that. So there's that. The Eagles are working out a corner. Uh, William Jackson, who had been around for a while, is formerly a first-round pick. He's 30 years old at this point. Um yeah. You know, if you're getting guys off the street, this is kind of what you're going to be getting. Um, you know, unless you make a trade, which I still think is a, a distinct possibility at some point, maybe not this week. Uh, I think we're going to have to see how it goes with the Eagles trying to defend Mike Evans and and Godwin and that crew. But this is kind of what it's going to be. You know, yesterday the the big news was they brought in a punter, uh, Braden Mann. And by the way, we're going to have Jeff McLean from the Inquirer join us at two o'clock. So we'll talk to Jeff about all that kind of stuff as well. But uh, they bring in William Jackson for a, uh, for a workout gunner. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're thin. I, I was looking at the depth chart, you know, getting ready for the, for the show. And, you know, it's a bunch of guys who, if, if I said these names to you last year or two years ago, you wouldn't even know who they were. I mean, think no, no. with Avante out now, you're going to have to count on, 
I mean, literally, you're going to be counting on like Keely Ringo to step up, Josh Job to step up, Eli Ricks to step up, Mario Goodrich to step up. Because think, keep in mind, you're down Avante and you're da- down Zach McPherson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about McPherson. Right. So he would have oh. been. He would have been the guy you plugged in. So you're down two guys at that spot. Well, are they bringing in another vet just for depth reasons, or are they still a little shaky in how they feel about the youth movement in terms of the growth or lack of growth for that matter, you know, um, at this point, because let's face it, you put, you, you send one of those kids to the wolves, especially some of the teams that are coming up, they're going to be attacked. They're going to be attacked the majority of the game when it comes to the passing game. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I want to see why, I, and we, how, how long is McPherson out again? I, I think he's done for the year. Oh, he's done for the year. Oh, yeah. He's a year guy. Uh, okay. So you, you, you're Maddox and McPherson for the year. So you got to have some more veteran presence, right? When you bring in a William Jackson, you know, me, I'm always thinking, why was he sitting out there this long? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss another guy who just got signed who was sitting out there for a long time, too, in a minute in a different sport. But we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, why has he been sitting out there? He's been around the block, a seasoned vet. And look at the multitude of injuries that have been happening across the league yeah. at, at that position as well. Mm-hmm. Why is he still sitting out there? Yeah. Um, and you got to bring in somebody. No question about that. But what is he going to add? You know, you brought in a Terrell Edmonds. What has he done since he's been here? And Terrell's in his prime at 26 years old. Right. It, it just seemed like they didn't want to have to expose him to a lot of playing time. And now they're going to have yeah. to because of what's yeah. – yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're patching up the best way you can, especially on a defense that is not going to be as stout as it was a year ago, that has question marks, has given up chunks of real estate. I've already given up chunks of real estate to Mac Jones and to Kirk Cousins. Obviously, Kirk Cousins is a better thrower. But you've given up chunks of real estate in back-to-back weeks. And you're going to play Baker Mayfield, who doesn't light up the world passing, but he hasn't made a mistake in two games. Yeah. He's playing good football. I mean, wh- wh- yeah. I don't know wh- how this plays out long-term for him, but all you can do is go off of what we've seen. And he's played smart. He isn't forcing things. He's letting it come to him. He's he's smartly taking advantage of, of Mike Evans and the good receiving core that he has, which is exactly what you would want him to do. So he's he's played good football so far. I mean, the Eagles are not getting – who knows what happens in the game, but going into it, they've gotten, they're getting good Baker Mayfield so far. Yeah. He feels comfortable where he's at. Yes. And I agree with GC and I've said this before. I hate using this term, but this Tampa game is a trap game. It's a trap game for them. They've gotten some time to heal up and to go over a lot of things that they're not doing well on both offense and defense, but you're going down to Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense is better than the first two defenses you played. Yep. Um, and you have another great defensive defensive coordinator who's now had two games to look at what these two teams are doing similarly to add to what you like to do, and your offense is playing well. Plus, you got to match up against Mike Evans, <laughs> so with a depleted defensive backfield. Yeah, like backfield. I, it's it's going to be a challenge, man. It's going to be a lot harder um, than people think. I'll tell you what's interesting too, Derek. Last year. Eagles were number one against the pass in football. Remember, yep. I mean, we went into the seat into this yep. offseason talking about they got to get better in their run defense. Yes. All right. So I was looking at I know it's two games, but I'm I'm going off of what we've seen so far. Here's what's interesting to me. You realize the Eagles are number one against the run. Yep. You're giving up 52 yards per game, which is won't keep up, but that's right now it's pretty damn good. You know they're 31st against the pass. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean they're they're almost they have almost flipped the script here. Uh, you know, with the with the run and the pass here, and and part of it is let's face it, they they faced a Minnesota team that doesn't have a run game. Nope. They faced a uh, the previous they, week a, a New England they, team that can run, but they did a good yeah. job. Yeah. Um, and the passing game, especially last week when Avante went down, everything got thrown into shambles. You saw yep. breakdowns that you don't usually see on an NFL field. Yep. I agree with you 100%. Um, and as of right now, they're going to have to rely on a lot of that youth again Monday night. Now, again, you have extended time to work on communications, to to see what you're seeing, to, to get a better idea of what you're seeing in front of you. Uh, but still, it's a, it's one thing to practice it at one speed. It's a whole nother ball game to play it at lightning speed, you know, when, when, you, when the lights go up for real. Um, how quickly can these kids accelerate their learning curve to get ready for what's to come? You know, what you're facing is another Patriots team, uh, another Tampa Bay team that is suspect in terms of running the football, but they can throw the football, you know. And I can see Baker Mayfield putting the ball up 40, 40 times a game in this game. Can the Eagles get enough pressure on him and get him down enough and make him throw it away enough to make this a one-sided game? That I don't know. They get yeah. good pressure, but they ha- they're not getting the quarterbacks down to the ground with the frequency that uh, we thought they would. And I believe part of it is due to Hassan Reddick still trying to get that thumb right. But uh, we've also seen quarterbacks do a better job of stepping up and stepping away from where the pressure is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's huge in terms of buying an extra second or two to, until somebody frees himself up either down the sideline or the middle of the field. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, again, what, adjustments the Eagles make. I think it's incumbent upon them to figure out the, you know, getting some kind of rhythm in the passing game. I'd like to see them try to get that going early uh, in the game against Tampa Bay. Um, You know, again, you, you, as you mentioned, Derek, this is a good defense. Uh, They're, they're, they're going to come in here with a pass rush uh, with good linebacker play. Uh, Tampa's no joke. I don't like, I don't, I think ultimately, I think Baker's going to re- revert back to Baker as the year goes on and and not having a running game will catch up to them at some point. Maybe in this game it does. I don't know. The Eagles are seem like they can make them one-dimensional in this game. Yeah. Uh, don't allow Rashad White to do anything and then just tee off on Baker if that's the case. That's how you win the game. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I don't know. Trap, maybe it's a trap. I just I, I don't think they played their f- best football. So I, I it's even... not like the Eagles come in cruising and they're just going to look past people. I think no. – no, I think winning the way that they've won serves as a wake-up call this week. So I think they'll be I ready. I, I agree too. I agree too, Rob. But but again, um, it's point counterpoint. Um, man, you, you're facing three great defensive minds in in consecutive weeks, and you know Todd Bowles likes to throw a wrinkle. Will he stack the line of scrimmage and leave his corners on an island with these guys? Todd Bowles is not not shy about you know, having his, his corners play man-to-man coverage because they're physical. They clutch and grab. Tampa Bay through the years, the recent years, is the best team in the NFL at getting away with clutch and grab. I don't know why they do, but they do. And they'll clutch and grab. They're very sneaky how they do it, but they do a great job at it. Will the refs be looking for that on Monday night? You know, that, that's going to be huge. But they've got the personnel that can go man-to-man with, with the Eagles wideouts in this game. And if that is the case – then you're going to be stacking more people at the line of scrimmage, which means the run lanes are not going to be there frequently for a, for a Jalen if he has a takeoff. They have to try to establish that running game against this Tampa front. 
But when you got Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Devin White, it's filling the gaps in your defense. That's a pretty formidable, and you know, and Vita Vea uh, at three hundred and thirty plus pounds clogging up the middle. Yeah, that's a formidable group to try to get a lot of success against. Well, and Vita Vea is also a guy who will get to the quarterback. Um, he he is he is a multi talented defensive tackle. That he is Gunner for me on that defensive line. He's priority one. Yes. Yeah, he is. No he is, man. And you talk about a team. The Eagles have allowed seven sacks through two games. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And they're going to be coming after. They are coming after Jalen. And the Eagles know that. Sirianni yeah. knows that. Brian Johnson knows that. You know, um, Todd Bowles likes to come from all different angles with his blitz, even delayed blitz. He likes to come from different angles. Um, if Jalen holds that ball one second too long, he's going to be tap dancing back there and, and have to duck and run. Uh, because Tampa's not going to give you a whole lot of time to just sit back there and play with the football. No question, no question about that. That's why it's such an intriguing matchup. I can't wait to see. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a good game. That the line has come down to five and a half. It was six and a half originally for for those of you who pay mm. attention to that. Even if you're not betting it, I think it's just interesting to see the way the trend is going. Uh, and and it may dip a little bit more. This past week did too. I mean, that's the way it went with the Minnesota game as well. All right, let me hit a couple other things that are happening in Philadelphia sports. Again, we'll have Leonard Weaver coming up at 12.30. At 2 o'clock, Jeff McClain from the Inquirer. Uh, the Sixers make a move, Derek, and this is what we referenced a minute ago here. They signed Kelly Oubre. Now, now you, you look at his numbers, and you're saying to yourself, wait a minute. He averaged 20 points per game, five rebounds. No one even gave him the league minimum. And the Sixers get him now on September 19th when we're like a month from camp starting. Why? Uh, that's my biggest question, Rob. He averages, what, 20 points a game? Yeah. Uh, Sixers need shooting. Definitely if James Harden decides to take his his stance that he's not showing up. Mm-hmm. So they need firepower. Uh, he, he can shoot it. He can shoot it from three also. But that's my big question. Why didn't anybody want this guy? Why was he still sitting out there? And – why did the 76ers wait until now? Is it a desperation move because they now understand Harden's not coming through that door? What is the reason behind this, Rob? Um, this is this is bad written all over it with this Sixers team, man. And you know, you try to be optimistic, but considering what we've we've heard, we've seen from James Harden himself in videos, um, and, and the 76ers brass has remained behind closed doors, have not made a statement in one way, shape, or form. The league is talking about finding James Harden if he doesn't show up or finding him because of what he said about Daryl Morey calling him a liar several times. This is a this is a mess, man, unfolding right now. In front I, of- I think they're throwing darts. I really do. I, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing. Um, you know, yeah, the Clippers aren't interested now, you know, which is one of the things that came out over the weekend. Um, I just – I think Oubre's an insurance policy, as you mentioned, which, and he's not a bad insurance policy, but he's an insurance policy – um, he's a limited player. Uh, you know, uh, he's a guy who's, who's, what did he average one assist last year? Yeah. yeah. He, he's not always going to give you, you know, everything on the defensive end. He, he's look, he's got the measurables. He's seven foot two with his wingspan. He can score, yeah. right? He, he, he's, he should be a guy who is a, is a good rebounder with his size and his wingspan, but he isn't always like it, it's, it's a move that doesn't hurt you. If you're paying him the league minimum, Hey man, you know, have at it. I've never been a huge fan of his game personally, but the situation that they're in knowing Harden is a total wild card in this. 
I don't think it's a bad move for the Sixers, honestly. I, I think it's a it's as good as you're going to find anybody sitting out on the street right now. I agree, and they need they need bodies. They need yeah. somebody. You're right, but it's it's just again falls under the umbrella of everybody's looking for an additional score, and, and why why was he still out there? Now this stuff will come out eventually. You know, you know it does. There's nothing that's kept secret forever. Yeah. You know, if he comes in here and he gives them 15, 20, 22 points a game and the Sixers are winning games, hey, you know, great steal for them. Oh, and yeah. a bargain basement price. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let me throw this one at you, Derek. So um, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame nominees, the yeah. modern era nominees yeah. are out there. Um, and I'll give you some Eagles who are who are eligible here, okay? Donovan. Okay. Randall. Mike Vick. Ricky Waters. Brian Westbrook. Irving Fryer. Eric Allen. Troy Vincent. David Akers. Jeff Fiegels. Sean Landetta. Brian Mitchell. I just gave you a lot of names. I understand. Uh, Of any of those, do you think anybody should get in? Will any of them get in, in your estimation? Question: of, uh, The first question I ask is, why isn't Eric Allen in already? That If there's a number one that's like in blinking lights to me, yeah. yes, I, and I will never understand it, it's Eric Allen. I have yeah. no idea. Derek, he played a ton. He has a ton of interceptions. He has a ton of pick sixes. Uh, he was tough as nails. I have no comprehension of why Eric Allen is not in. I, ever since I've been to Philadelphia and studied that situation – I don't get it. I don't get it, Rob. Uh, when you stack him up against other, you know, DBs that have gotten into the uh, Hall of Fame, why is he not in? And how many times has he been on that ballot, you know, to get in? And he yeah. still gets he still gets snubbed. I don't understand it. I don't think Donovan will get in for a while. Westbrook won't get in. No. Brian Mitchell is a borderline Hall of Fame. Mitchell should be in. I Mitchell think should be in. You yep. know, when you consider what he did in the return game, there's no question he should be in. Yeah. Um, the other players, you can you can put a lot of question marks, pros and cons, in terms of why or why not. But those two players, Alec, Eric Allen and, and Brian Mitchell, should definitely cross that threshold. Yeah, they're my two. I, I think every there's a lot of close here. Like I think for me, Donovan falls into the very good, not great category. I know a lot of people would argue that Michael Vick to me missed too much time, yeah. and after he left the Eagles, it was just kind of eh for him. Yeah, uh, which hurts him a little bit. I think Ricky Waters has a really strong case. People, for some reason, just really overlook what he did. Um, but he's probably falls into the very good, not great. I think yep. Troy Vincent was very good, not great. Yeah, uh, I think Irving Fryer was very good, not great. You know, Fiegel's and Acres that we'd have to really start arguing like kickers and and, dig, and Acres numbers are pretty remarkable. Fiegel's yep. punted forever. Yep, I would say Allen and Mitchell for me. I agree. Yeah. Those, those are my two that should be in, and they've, and they've been on the balance long enough to to be able to get get in. Yeah, but for some reason they keep getting getting snubbed by the the uh, decision makers. I'm, I'm I'm waiting to see who they're stacked up against. Now those are just the Eagles you talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see the full list of who they're stacked up against to better to get a better idea and understanding of if this or is not their year. If they're up against a bunch of big names, you know they're not getting in. Mm-hmm. You know. Especially if they haven't gotten in by now, you know they're going to get bypassed again. Right. They, they may not get in until they get to that exemption level. Huh, which Right, and that's a long time, man. Yes. It's, a, it's a long wait, yeah, for sure. 
Um, all right, let's get a timeout. Leonard Weaver is going to join us on the other side. We'll talk to him about present-day Eagles, about going through the same kind of injury or at least similar injury that Nick Chubb went through and his experience in that. He also has aspirations. He's coaching in college right now. He wants to coach in the NFL. A lot to dig into uh, with Leonard when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've uh, been going there since I was a kid. Uh, family owned since 1985, just an unbelievable place. I'm in there each week. I see what's going on there and the just incredible options from a food standpoint and the great service that they provide. Uh, they have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the, the upside down, which I love, but they have, you name it, they'll make it specialized pizza, however you want it. And if you're not up for pizza, great. They have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. We told you about the Team Foster charity where they match up uh, a support dog with a veteran. It's just a great cause. Bravo Pizza's uh, been just, just doing it for so long. It's, uh, it's certainly a stop that you want to make. Follow them at the Bravo Pizza of. Uh, on their Instagram or Facebook page for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. 
asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. We appreciate it. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. That's the gun. I am Rob Ellis. Hit that like button if you could, friends. All right, joining us right now, he was a Philadelphia Eagle for the 09 and 10 season, played six years in the NFL, is currently the running backs coach at his alma mater. Yes, Carson Newman University, the one and only Leonard Weaver. Coach Weaver, welcome to the show. How you doing? Yeah. How are you guys doing? Look at those handsome faces right there, man. You Look guys are moving, man. <laughs> Coach Weaver. Coach I like it. I Weaver. like it. I had, yes. to put, I had to put it up there. It has a ring to it. <laughs> so uh, let, let's start there. How you? I know you've been doing this for a while. You were doing it at the high school level. Mm-hmm. You moved back up to your alma mater at, at, at Carson uh, Newman where you had so much success as a player. How, how's it going as a coach? Oh man, it's been awesome, man. It's uh, it's pretty much everything that I've desired and wanted to do. Uh, it's nothing better than being able to play the game that you loved, be able to play it at a high level, and now give back to those young men who aspire to go there. So it's been awesome to watch uh, and to learn because I've been learning a whole lot just about coaching and the coaching world, man. And um, it's been great developing all these relationships, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, good. So, so let's see. You you started at the high school level. Yep. Now you're at the college level. Yeah. Is your ultimate goal to get to back to that NFL level? Absolutely, man. I, I mean, I would relish the opportunity. And, you know, this has always been kind of the goal since I've been involved in coaching. You know, I, I, when yeah. I got back in, of course, I reached out to some coaching buddies. And the biggest thing was learning how to coach. You know, it's one thing that, you know, when you played the game and, and you were able to be a good player. But I think it's a whole nother deal what I've learned through coaching. It's a whole nother ball game when it comes to actually explaining the game and, and game planning and being able to actually teach players mm-hmm. to perform the techniques or skills that you're actually trying to, uh, you know, uh, put up and teach them. So it's been great. Uh, it's been a great learning curve. It's been awesome to learn from each level how the players change, uh, how the game has changed, and yep. then uh, to add recruiting on top of it. Man, that's a whole nother ball game in itself. Uh, so it's been great to kind of learn and develop as a coach, man. It's been very exciting. Well, Larry, I mean, you did it the hard way, man. I mean, <laughs> Division Two, you know, you you were a tight end. Right. I, I yes, mean, sir. then, you you know, undrafted and you have yep. some really good years in Seattle and you, yes, you end up coming here to Philadelphia and you're an all pro in oh yeah. nine. And yep. you finally get your just do with the nice contract going yeah. into 10 and then your first carry of 10. Boom. The injury against Green right. Bay, man. And I know, you know, I'm sure everybody's asking about Nick Chubb last night. and We yep. hate seeing that kind of stuff. But first off, give us your, your memories of your years here in Philly. I know it was short, but but what you, we thought about that time. 
Well, first of all, the open arms. Uh, I think me and Philly, uh, the city of Philly had something in common, uh, like you said and alluded to earlier, just my background, you know, coming from small beginnings and having to bust my tail to get there. That's one of the things that we had in common, I think. And that's one of the reasons why the fans, I believe, accepted me for, for who I was and what I was about. And they knew that I was going to come to work and work hard. So I think that love affair between us definitely began at that particular point in time. And then I, I think the playmaking ability kind of helped just a little bit, uh, except for that San Francisco game that we don't even talk about that we're not gonna bring that up <laughs> we don't go there <laughs> but no but as far as during that time man um you know experiencing that injury it was really tough for me man um i, I remember d gun actually coming down and visiting me yeah. uh, having you know some time and spending some time with me um while there was smiles and it was great to see him and some some philip natives uh, natives that would come down and visit um, the process that I had to go through uh, after those guys left and, and had to deal with within myself and not being able to play the game and possibly never, ever being able to walk or or be able to play the game of football again. Um, all those feelings and emotions, man, they flooded me uh, over the, you know, those first couple of years. It was really tough to get over. Um, but eventually, you know, I had some help from some friends and family who really, you know, prayed for me and, and really helped me out. Um, but it, it was really it was really a tough time. Hey, Leonard, um, when you initially got injured, I was there covering that game, and the whole stadium just went, oh. Did you know right away that it was devastating? I want to say out loud no, <laughs> but uh, I knew – I heard it pop. I heard every pop. I heard every ligament kind of dismember. Uh, I felt it. Um, and probably about 30 seconds after the initial shock and pain, everything went numb. Uh, and then upon getting up, you know, I couldn't move my foot. So I kind of knew it was serious, but I was trying to be hopeful and, you know, very uplifting about the possibilities to be able to, to return. And, and once I got the news from Doc, um, you know, in the uh, the MRI room there at the stadium, and then once I got a chance to talk with Dr. Andrews, it became a little bit more surreal for me um, about my future and, and what it had entailed, especially after you know, getting the contract and then having the success. And I was looking forward to ending my career there as a player, but not going out like that. Mm. Was it as dire as you weren't sure if you were going to walk again? Like, was it, I mean, forget football for a minute. You're just talking about your, your health for the yeah. next 30, 40, 50 years. What, was it that bad? It was that bad. I mean, in terms of just the knee, uh, you know, all of the reconstruction that had to be done. Uh, and then if we, we take it from the knee, we got to go down to the foot. You know, I, I lost, uh, you know, permanent, pretty much uh, disabled, you know, uh, from being able to permanent drop foot is what they call it. Um, so it was really a tough time. Um, the first year or two being in a wheelchair and, and trying to, or first year rather being in a wheelchair, not being able to move, having to have almost two emergency surgeries uh, from my knee on my foot uh, because, you know, what was going on. So it was really tough. And then having to, you know, lo relocate. You know, for my family, we had to move to Birmingham, literally. Yeah. Uh, so it was um, it was a real tough time, man. And, um, you know, I'm just thankful for the prayers uh, of the people and the fans and the support that I got, uh, especially D-Gun. He's, you know, been in my corner since day one. I appreciate yeah. him. Uh, it, it, it was a blessing that, that the Lord allowed me to be able to see through it. Um, as Leonard alluded to, um, I went down to Birmingham, Alabama with my photographer, Brian Spielman, and we spent two days with him and his trainers yeah. uh, doing a story on him going through his rehab. And, and Rob, I can't tell you Man. how many times you would see tears welling up in his eyes as they twisted and turned and, 
but the but the most gut-wrenching part was now this is like almost a year after he suffered that injury mm. they're showing me the pictures of the surgery mm. on his foot alone right and and refresh my memory leonard but they took basically a button a button to hold the tendon in the bottom. They showed me the opening in his bottom of his foot yep. where a button was to hold the tendon in place in the foot that went all the way up to the knee area. And I'm not a squeamish person. And, and I was like, man, I had chills just watching that. And, and then to watch Leonard get on the tables, get on the different apparatuses, and they push him to a point where he wanted to stop. And they said, no, you're not ready to stop yet. Yeah. And to see a grown man have tears welling up in his eyes a year later because he still can't perform at a normal function as, as he had been before that injury. That was one of the most gut wrenching things that I had ever seen. Leonard talk about the emotional highs and lows that you had to go through just to get back close to a normal life of being able to walk again. I mean, it was real tough. It, it was, you know, I think in the interview uh, when we were talking, it was, uh, I said it was something like losing a loved one, you know. Yeah. Um, we're talking about just the mental portion of getting back to normalcy. We're not even talking about, like you said, the game. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really tough because all I could picture in my mind was trying to get back to the game. I mean, if you go back and look at it on YouTube, that's what I'm talking about, making the greatest yeah. comeback ever. But in my heart, at some point in time, I realized I gotta let this go. Mm -hmm. And at that particular point, uh, I knew for sure not, not just the mental portion of getting back to normalcy, but I'm not even going to be able to play the game that I busted my tail so hard for, um, that I worked so hard for. Um, it was it was draining um, physically, mentally, just to, to get out of bed some days because I love the game of football. It's nothing like, I mean, begun, I, I wish young men could listen to this that, that are playing this game. Yeah, It's a privilege. I don't think people really understand to be amongst some of the best athletes in the world and to compete week in and week out yep. and then to get paid for it. Mm. That, that's, you know, that's not really work. When you enjoy what you do, it's not even considered work. Yep. It's considered fun. And to have that taken away and, and to have to go through that, it was, man, it was really tough. It was, it was really a tough deal for me the first couple years. I struggled badly personally in my personal life. Um, I struggled mentally. Um, you know, I really went through a lot of struggles and it wasn't until I got back home to Florida where I was able to kind of go out and kind of talk to some kids about it. Mm -hmm. and, and it was kind of there where I was reminded when I was in Seattle, like I heard, I was able to coach with Terry Metcalf. He allowed me to come on and kind of do the same thing. I started mentoring some of the guys and then eventually I became a coach. And I remember the feeling that I felt if I wasn't going to be able to play the game and I wasn't going to be able to actually uh, show my talent, then I sure can give back to the game by giving those young men and women or the, the opportunity to be able to coach them. So um, it sparked and ignited something inside of me, like a fire, man, that that I said, I'm never going to turn back from. And since then, it's mm. been just that way. That's awesome. Well, last one on the injury, because I do want to talk about what you're doing now, Leonard. But when you see something like Nick Chubb last night, and I'm not trying to make light of this, do you, do you have almost a little like PTSD? Like, is there just like a something that goes out in your heart when you see something like that? And will you reach out to him at any point? I definitely plan on reaching out to him, but I have not seen it. I, I had a lot of the guys uh, come in this morning and actually tell me about it because yeah. they. Yeah, I, you know what? Don't, don't look at it. Yeah, yeah. They, 
But I'm going to tell you this, what, what I did after that for me mentally, I actually took a picture. I don't know if D-Gun remembers seeing this, but in my locker, I yeah. used to have a picture of it. It's a picture of my head on the ground, my knee yeah. going all the way back. It's a still yeah. photo. Uh, I kept that in remembrance of me in that moment, not for the pain's sake, but so that I wouldn't be afraid of the moment of doing something else. For instance, you know, if, if I was riding a motorcycle and I fell off the motorcycle, my attitude would be get back on as soon as I can so that it doesn't disrupt my life. And that's the mentality that I took from that. So not seeing the injury, um, I definitely want to reach out to him. Matter of fact, his coach, Stump Mitchell, was my coach in Seattle for so many years as well. So um, I definitely plan on it because I I do understand right now exactly what he's feeling. I can imagine what he's thinking. Um, I can imagine what he's feeling emotionally, uh, and especially when he meets with those doctors this morning and he gets that story on where he is. I pray to God that it's nothing that's season or that's career ending for him. Uh, I pray that he can come back. But uh, from what I've heard, it was it was absolutely nasty. Leonard, initially, the the injury itself is devastating. Then the rehab is grueling and emotional enough, but there is a there is a mental and spiritual element of this that's just as tough, if not tougher, to fight. Did you battle depression, and if so, for how long? Man, th- that's what I yeah, absolutely. I did uh, for those first few years. Um, I remember I was sitting in my bed. Um, and after that Packers game, yeah. uh, I was able to go down, you know, getting ready, um, getting prepped to go to Birmingham and they played in Detroit that next week. And I remember the feeling of watching all of those guys playing and me not being there immediately, man. I would say for myself, depression hit. I was sitting there by myself, literally in tears, because I'm thinking in my head, like, yo, I can't even, I can't go out into the field. I can't go sniff the air of the practice field. I mean, just all the things that you don't even think about as a player, the the, the fans screaming and, and, and the preparation portion, and then being able to go out and perform. And here's the other part, being able to actually run again, oh. to be able to put on a cleat, or a shoe and actually run those things they hit me like a flood man and so it was a massive i i, I really I, I had a lot of help i had really had a lot of help but it was very very tough uh for me for the first couple of years oh how you liking uh you, you did you think at the high school level how you liking the college level man especially being back at your old school I'm going to be honest with you. I love it. I don't have to deal with many parents at all. I, I, I don't have to deal with the parents. I, I, you know, I love it, man. I don't have to worry about parents coming in. Why playing time, playing time. Playing? Yeah. yeah, why are you not playing, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but no, I love it because I get to coach young men. Um, I get to have those young men conversations. I get to share with them things in life that maybe they're going through and, and I can chime in and give a little wisdom. I love the the relationship portion of it where, you know, we can interact on a level where there's more understanding because of where they're trying to go and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and so it's been great, man. I absolutely love it. You know, Leonard, it's funny in some ways you should say that because I can't tell you how many former athletes and a lot of guys, you know, Brian Dawkins, yeah. Hugh Douglas, all these guys who have told me emphatically, I want nothing to do with coaching at the pro level or the college level because man, these kids nowadays are a different breed than when we can't uh, breed than when we came through. Yeah. Um, you can't coach them collectively. You have to coach them individually now. So, you know what? So how, did, so how did you, how did you come to grips with 
today's athlete is a lot different than when you were coaching and, and how, and how, how do you relate to them today? It, that's what it's about, D-Gun. Um, and that's what I learned. And I think that's what I what I was able to grasp so quickly at the high school level, even though you're dealing with some parents that are worried about playing time. Yeah. I was able to relate to the kids and make myself available to them on a level where I would listen and I would try to understand where they're coming from. You're right. Today's athlete is nothing like when I grew up where we had to just put our head down, get to work and do what you're supposed to do right. in that sense. But I think every athlete, wants to be seen they want to be uh, they want to be uh, seen as an individual that's just as important as the other yep. and my philosophy as a coach has always been to connect with the player and be as honest and be as straightforward with that individual as possible so that they understand the expectations that I that I expect of them. And I use that in my running back room, um, you know, where it comes to, you know, understanding the relationship and the dynamics we have with each one of the kids. So I don't necessarily have to coach them all individually, but we do yeah. have those indiv individuals moments. But I think collectively when they understand that, I think it makes it easier for you to deliver a message and, so that they understand. But you, you're still going to have those kids who they're going to try to talk and, and, and run their mouth. And, 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 you know, I can only imagine what it's like at the pro level where, you know, you probably deal with some guys and what they're talking about is some guys that probably are getting paid more than some of the coaches. And, and there's a level of disrespect, but I've learned that as long as they're understanding and, and we're talking about dealing with young men at the college level, mm -hmm. um, I think it's all the same. You know, here it is. We got to have a man to man talk about what's to be expected, how it's to be done, because there are plenty of coaches who are doing it who played at each level. Um, matter of fact, Coach Audrey Denson, who's a friend of mine, he's with the Arizona Cardinals now. I mean, he he just literally came uh, from um, uh, Charleston Southern, you know. And, and I mean, so to hear his transition and his story is a little bit different, but it all evolves around getting to understand that a relationship is needed. And I think once a, a player or a kid realizes that your relationship is intentional, and it's real, and that when you talk to them, it's not about being fake, it's not about being phony. I think the the respect level is what evens the playing field with those guys. Okay. I, I want to hit you with a couple present day Eagles things, Leonard. But let me let me just I'm just thinking of this as you as you make your point there yes, very eloquently, by the way. Uh, Thank you. What do you think about what's going on with Deion Sanders and, and the and the whole Woo! explosion <laughs> of Colorado, man? I mean, they go from one win, yep. no one cares, like to. We don't even talk about – I was saying this to Gunner yesterday. We don't talk about Georgia. Georgia's won back-to-back, -back <laughs> and we're talking about Colorado before we any any other school. Like, That's right. It's crazy how how quickly he's put them back on the map. I think Dion is, is – you know, to be honest with you, I think we have similar philosophies. I think he's just on a greater level than me. Um, it's about relating to the kids, you know, and I think he does a great job of that. It really seems like he has not only his sons in his corner, but those kids that are around him. One, one of the greatest things I think that, that we both have in common, and when I say me and Dion, I'm talking about in terms of uh, playing the game of football. We both played in the NFL. Now, clearly, his level, you know, he was on another level in terms of what he did. But kids respect that. But they also respect the fact that you're willing to discipline them in love and be honest with them at the same time, as long as it's consistent. When kids see consistency, they will sell out for whatever you do. As long as there's no treatment from the top, to the bottom down where guys are being, 
man, they will sell out because they understand this is a real deal. And this is honesty. This is love. And, and that's how they translate it. That's what I've learned. And so to watch him come out there flashy like he's always been, doing his thing with the glasses. Uh, sometimes I'm like, Dion, would you please take that stuff off, man? And just, but that's who he is. And he's always been that way. And kids love that. And so uh, I think it's phenomenal what he's doing. Um, I, my thing is me and my wife was talking about <clears throat> what would it, what is it going to be like um when his kids graduate that, that's what we were talking about like how is that going to transpire for him coaching uh because i think he's going to be very successful where he is in boulder because Dion's not only a marketing genius but he's also uh, he has gravitational pool and people want to be around somebody like that and he has the support so kudos to Dion, man congratulations uh, for what he's doing up there, man. That's awesome. Leonard, look beyond just Dion being a Hall of Fame NFL yeah. player. He has changed the landscape in a matter of seven months. That's he right. has changed the yeah. landscape in terms of how you recruit, which is making the old school stiff collar coaches cringe right now, but they're going to have to get on board now to compete. The days of the glossy brochure you get at your home as an 18-year-old kid, Georgia, Alabama, Florida's yeah. recruit me. He – He's very visible, yep. practices, behind-the-door meetings, yep. uh, stuff like that. Look at the entertainment value. He's got The Rock coming in. That's right. You know, Wayne, stuff, That's right. And, and all these old-school coaches like, that's not how you recruit. Yes, it is nowadays because look what's happening. These impressionable 18-year-olds who live and die social media will now consider Colorado – because right. of the national platform they've been put on because of the way he goes about his business. Well, when you think about what you're saying, D-Gun, we're talking about Dion being touchable. Right? Yes, you know, yes. that's the thing. He makes himself available and he makes himself reachable for those kids. He doesn't come out and he's not. And this is not to talk about any coaches out there, but I think that's what makes him a gravitational magnet outside of what he's been able to do on, off the field or on the field, rather, is that he's somebody you can reach out to, talk to, touch. And he's going to give you his opinion. He's going to give you his thoughts on it. And it's going to come from a genuine place, at least to that individual. That is key for any recruiting, any kid, man, will take, look at your brochure and be like, oh, that's great. But I tell you what, for myself, like if I call a kid or if I do a FaceTime versus a call, Ooh. that changes the platform. It's like, man, coach FaceTime, he's showing his buddies. He's showing. So to be reachable, to be touchable to me is absolutely essential, especially in nowadays recruiting, because kids want to know that you care beyond a letter because they don't get to see the face. When you write a letter, you don't have to show your genuine, you know, this, you can write up anything you want. But when I see your face and I get to look at your eyes and I get to hear from the head coach of a big program that does some things. Mm, got it. We're just, both going. You got us coach. You got yeah. us both, man. Let's go. I'll play, for you. I'll play for you Leonard right now. I can get you one and a half yard per carry. Yeah. That's all I, I need. Be good, baby. Baby. Yeah. A half we'll situationally, baby. We got you yeah. covered. Man. We're good. Situational guys. I, I, situation. I used to be a halfback. Hey. Now I'm a slow fullback. Yeah, yeah. The situation for us is sitting up in the stands. Uh, and, um, I, 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 before President Day, I want to take you back to 2017. As an Eagles alum, how cool was it for you watching them finally get over the hump and win the Super Bowl, Leonard? I mean, it, what, what was that feeling like? And and just just walk me through it. Man, it was great. It was great to watch those guys. I mean, you're talking about the storylines that they had. You're and I'm, I'm thinking of guys that were actually younger when I was there, B. Graham, you know, some of those guys that I had a chance to play with, and it wasn't many there. 
to watch them get over that hump was huge because that's we had come so close ourselves. Yeah. You know, we lost to Dallas in the first round. Um, you know, and every year for me, it's almost like I've been in the playoffs every single year that I was in the league, other than two in Seattle and in Philly, mm-hmm. where we missed it. But it was awesome, man, to watch that transpire. Those guys busted their tail. They they went against the odds. They did something that people never thought was possible. And they did it with the guys that were just in that locker room, who understood the mission. They galvanized, they came together, and they accomplished, man. To to watch any player or team overcome the odds, especially when you, you know, you're preceding a great coach in Andy Reid, and then to watch Doug lead those guys through that, man, that was phenomenal. And for him too. It was phenomenal to watch all those guys deuce him. Those guys get that ring on their finger. It was absolutely awesome, man. And it speaks volumes about the organization as well as Coach Peterson and, and, the, and the guys he had on that team. Leonard, what do you think about this young man, Jalen Hurts? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the face of the league. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts and his style of play, his athleticism is taking the league by storm also. You know what? I put out, I think I did an interview probably about last year, uh, about this year, and and um, or about last year, rather, about how they would go to the Super Bowl and how they were going to make it. And I kind of got laughed at a little bit, but what I see in him is what you want in a leader, right? You want somebody who's confident, but not too flamboyant. He's very, very uh, patient. He's, uh, he's, he's sort of his own kind of got this cerebral stance of mm-hmm. he understands what's going on. He's not easily uh, off kiltered. He's not taken off by anything. He just knows to focus. And I watched him do that when he played against the Bulldogs and he was benched. This young man came back the next year and fought with the same school. Then he was, he ended up transferring. He did the same thing when he went over. So to watch his career transpire to where it is, it doesn't shock me that you have an awesome quarterback in Jalen Hurts. I like him personally. I love what he brings to the game. He makes you as an, a defender have to guard him. You have to account for who he is as a runner and a passer. You have to be alert that he can run the option. He can fling the thing down the field. I mean, he can read the defense. So to me, I think he's the total package in what you need. I love his attitude. He's a guy that you can believe in and a guy that you can build a team around. And, and I love that. All, I love all those things about him. Mm. What do you think about their chances this year? I mean, we know the history. It's very difficult to get back yeah. there after you either win it or get there and lose like mm-hmm. the Eagles did. What do you think about their chances this year? You know, I think it's going to be tough. It's always tough after a loss like that. Uh, we went through that in Seattle uh, after the 05 season when we played uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. It's always tough, but it is possible. I think what those guys are going to have to do is they're going to have to really sit down as a team, come together and figure out, hey, we got to take this thing literally one practice at a time. I think what you do when you realize where you are, you got to take it one step, one practice, literally each day and say, look, we got to knock out this goal. We got to knock out this goal. But do I think it's possible? Absolutely. I do think it's possible. It's still early in the season, still early in the year. It is definitely possible for things to turn around. And usually, historically, Philly has always turned things around, usually in the the second half of the season. We usually go on that eight, nine win run. So it's uh, I'm excited to see what they do. Mm -hmm. Last one for me, uh, the running back position in general, the the disrespect, the the salaries, you guys who were quality players having hard times even finding jobs at this point. And I know you feel probably even more as a guy who was a fullback, which is even feels like more of a dying breed, but what do you think about what's going on out there with the running backs? I've been talking to a few people about it. Uh, I think it's kind of honestly crazy because here's why 
as a running back, we're called to do just as much as the quarterback when we have to know protections. We have to understand what the defense is doing. We also have to become a runner, but we also have to become a blocker. Then we also have to become a receiver. We are literally every position on that field that's on that field in one person. And we have to do it at a level that's high. And so for me, the value of having a running back who knows how to protect, who understands route running, who can still run the ball effectively, and who can still go back there and, 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 and be able to make plays, I think it's so valuable. I mean, because if you think about it, everything right now is to the, you know, the more so air raid type of offense, right? I just need four receivers. and then. But let me tell you something. Nothing else changes the playoffs like running the football. You gotta be able to run the football. You can go out there and toss it 50 times all you want. At the end of the day, that defense is gonna stop. They're gonna stop dropping somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're gonna, hey, man, I'll, I'll, I'll drop eight if you're gonna keep throwing a deep. But man, if I hand it off to a running back and he goes 50, now I gotta bring everybody back in. So to me, I think the running back position is an equalizer position, especially when you have somebody who's really good at it. And I do think it's kind of undervalued because they say, well, we get beat up. Of course we get beat up because we're meant to hold everything on our shoulders. That's what we do. We're the sacrificial lamb, just like our old linemen that go out there and get battered because we want our team to progress and move forward. So, yeah. yes, I do think it's a problem. I do think these guys need to be paid. And, and I do think it needs to be reconsidered that they're just as valuable as your receivers and your quarterback is. So, Leonard, real quick, um, this summer, you know, a, a lot of the big name running backs had a had a had a, a Zoom meeting to discuss it. their situation, and then recently the NFL filed a, a grievance against the NFLPA, basically saying the NFLPA has told running backs to fake injuries. Um, I agree with, and I've said what you've said a hundred percent about why are the running backs being so devalued? What do you think their legitimate stance is? How can they protest this? Because quarterbacks, wide receivers, D tackles, safeties, cornerbacks, all getting paid, and yet the the running back has been pushed to the vast wasteland of the NFL. What kind of protest can they make as a group, collective group, to have their voice heard? Man, I mean, at the top of my head, D gun, I don't think I can say what I really want to say. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, but but what I will say seriously um, is those guys are going to have to go out and perform. Um, you know, as cliche as it may be, we have to show our value by what we do and we have to do it consistently. Um, you know, I mean, right now I know with this, the new CBA, there are a lot of different things that have changed, especially since I've exited the league concerning that and what they can do, but those guys are going to have to play, um, you know, and, 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 and go out there and show them over and over again, unfortunately, how valuable they are. And it's times like this that you would want to tell a guy, hey, man, don't go to practice or don't go do this. But at the end of the day, these guys got families as well, and they got to go out and perform. And so my encouragement to all those young men, nothing wrong with having those meetings, man. Keep having those meetings. But eventually, D-Gun is going to come down who has the answer to your question. And my answer is, guys, keep going out and performing and keep busting your tail uh, and keep making it work. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man, Leonard, great, great stuff, man. Yeah. Good to hear from you. I, I have no team. doubt. You will be coaching the NFL very shortly just from having this conversation with you, man. You are a very motivational guy. It, it, you, you get you get it, man, and you, yeah. you, you grab people. So I, I appreciate you uh, sharing your insights. We'd love to have you on 
later in the season too, man. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Both of you gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, hey, when you get to the NFL, can you get me and Rob some sideline passes? Let me. T- <laughs> First of all, anything you need, D-Gun, I got you. And you too, Rob. I'll be his assistant. Just, like, just know, give me, man. yeah. I, I just fought, I just hang on D-Gun's coattails, Leonard. Well, get then maybe I'll also have you over and cook you guys some uh, some Leonard Weaver steaks or something. Like oh! That. Oh! That oh. Dub steaks. Oh, you know, okay. together. That's a date. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Leonard, thanks, man. Uh, great catching up. You can continue success this year with the squad as yeah, well. Keep, keep killing it, man. We appreciate it. Love Thank you, man. You. Love, Love you, bro. You, man. you guys take care, man. All right. Take you care. That is uh, Coach Leonard Weaver. He is the running backs coach for Carson Newman University. He was an all-pro with the Eagles in 2009. Unfortunately, got injured in 2010. But he did, thankfully, Derek, he did get a nice contract that, that offseason before that, that 2010 season. Uh, but, man. You're, you're right. We were talking before the show, and you're like, you know what? Leonard be a good guy to to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard from Leonard in a long time. Boy, he was awesome. That was, yeah, that was we, entertaining. We we text uh, each other out of the blue occasionally, man, and uh, it's just so great to see him bounce back the way he did, Rob, because, yeah. um, like I said, um, I, I got up close and personal with him when he went through the trials and tribulations of trying to come back, Yeah, and there were some dark moments in his life, you know. Um, you go from bring, being this gladiator and let's face it football players you know they feel that they're these gladiators that cannot be yeah. you know damaged and mm-hmm. we even though they see injuries every day there's still a gladiator mentality and when you're decimated to the point of you can't function on your own and you need help just to get up and, and just to move around and then you're forced to rehab at a certain pace something that the normal person would take a lot longer to rehab and then try to come back and play the same game, which costs you significant time. The mental, physical, and emotional war, not struggle, war you go through is like nothing you and I will ever experience, man. And like I said, I got to see this man with tears in his eyes as these trainers down in Birmingham are twisting and turning and, and kneading his knee, trying to get it back and get the circulation back in it. And as he said, he had a couple of emergency surgeries. They were concerned there for a while about the blood flow stimulating through that part of his. And then to see the pictures, Rob, I'm never going to get that out of my mind to see the pictures of the open hole in his foot and the button that's sticking out of the foot and how they attached the tendon to it. Um, th- that alone would make me want to just say, you know, it's time to find another career. Yeah. But these guys try to come back and continue, man, because they know this is their one shining moment to fulfill that dream of something they dreamed about as a kid, man. Um, it's you know, love. It's love of the game. You know, we keep talking about athletes get paid too much money, uh, but I've always subscribed to anything you do in life. If somebody's willing to pay it, I'm willing to take it. Yeah. You know, and you know, God bless them. You know, and it's so good to see him smiling and doing well in his life again. What a great spirit! What a great attitude! Uh, I'll come back. I'll give you. I, I touched on some Eagles numbers gunner uh, from what we've seen so far through the first two games. I, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on that. Uh, when we come back, then we'll get into our NFL stuff. We'll talk some Phillies who Phillies who had a monster game last night, five home runs and Wheeler was the, like that. If you want to draw it up for, this is what you want it to be. It was last night uh, from a Phillies perspective. So yeah, yeah. we'll get into that. I'll give you what their magic number is. Cause it's, it's getting, they're whittling it down right now. So we'll talk about all those kind of things again, two o'clock, Jeff McLean, from the Philadelphia Inquirer. That is Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis for Sports State, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray, Principal Financial Group. Knowing how to find that right person and who that right person is, it can be challenging, right? Well, listen, I am going to turn you on to the guy that you need here. Uh, I'll tell you from personal experience, it was a hard time for me finding the right person that I could trust 
that you know to to turn over my hard-earned bucks to. And Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, that's exactly who you need. Uh, whether it's retirement planning, four hundred one k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim. It was a very smooth process. I couldn't be any happier uh, about the growth with, with them. Give them a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. Hope you're doing well. Two o'clock, Jeff McClain. All right, let let me give you some of these numbers, Derek, that I was looking at a little bit earlier um, through two games. First off, um, Jalen Carter. Let's start off on the positive here. Jalen Carter 
through two games has the fourth most pressures in the NFL at 11. Like he he's in the category with, with the big boys, Watts and all those kind of guys. So, you know, it, our eyeballs aren't lying to us. You, you know, he is, he has been as advertised so far. What, what an unbelievable start uh, for his career so far. And I think he's just going to get better. I mean, think about it. He doesn't have even any of this figured out. Like this is all just right now on pure ability. Uh, that he's still wait till he really starts to figure out the nuances, you know, and the subtleties of the game that, that can really get him. You know, he, he has already jumped to the forefront as one of the leading candidates for defensive rookie of the year just through a couple of games. If he continues on this trend, he is going to make national headlines for what he's accomplishing as a rookie. Um, he has been everything that we've we thought he would be, and everything that we heard from all the experts breaking down all these athletes, pro and con. Um, and you're right. I, I think the key of what you said is he's still figuring this out. You know, you can be coached up all you want, but every game's a different scenario. You're practicing different techniques. Every time you line up against a different style offensive lineman, you're working on something different. And he continues to have a great measure of success in doing it. You know, the sacks, the sacks are minuscule in terms of what he's doing to be a disruptive factor in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, defending against the run, getting pressure on quarterbacks, forcing quarterbacks off their spot, forcing quarterbacks to throw the ball quicker than they want to, making a quarterback know where he is at all times uh, when he steps under center before he takes that snap. In just two games, he's already garnering that kind of respect around the league. And I guarantee you, uh, offensive coordinators are, are watching, looking, and taking notes of what he's doing right now, man. He is he is a nonstop ball of energy yeah he is and and the and the, the young guy you know with him jordan davis has been awesome so is fletcher cox so is milton williams the, the, the defensive tackle position for the eagles is an absolute strength I, I mean one of the better in terms of depth positions in the league uh for anybody so all right there's that uh all right let's go offense first let's start offense then we'll go into the defense points per game they're fifth you know, they're, they're, they're fifth in points per game. They're scoring 29.5. They scored about 28 last year. We'll see where that ends up as we get a little bit further into it. It is only two games, but they're putting up points. Rushing game has been great, and that's aided by the fact that they ripped off 257, whatever it was, on, on Thursday night. Uh, they're second in the league in running at 178 per game. Here's the issue. Passing game. 162.5, which is 29th. Mm -hmm. That's the troubling thing. You know, obviously, when you're running it as much as they did, it was 48 to 18 was the pass, uh, the run pass ratio. You're just not going to have the attempts. There's not going to be as many shots down the field, blah, blah, blah. But we know from watching this, the passing game hasn't been able to find any kind of rhythm. It hasn't really, uh, you never felt like on a drive, like, have you stepped away from one drive where you felt like passing games really clicking? It, it, it just sort of feels yeah. like they're. Yeah. They're getting a sense for each other, and they don't really know what it is right now. Two games, Jalen has missed wide-open targets. He's honed in too much on his primary target. Uh, the passing game has not been anywhere near as fluid. They've had a couple of big shots they did against Minnesota uh, to Devontae Smith. But in terms of overall uh, being that fluid passing game, um, you know, they didn't they didn't involve Goddard at all in the first game. They they got six. I think he had six catches the second game, but it's still not spread out the way I thought it was. I thought as well as they ran the ball against Minnesota, which you're supposed to do, control that clock, keep that momentum in your favor. Um, I still want to see him use uh, uh, DeAndre Swift more in the passing game on the quick quick hitch pass, the screen, middle screen, left screen, right screen. 
uh, in the wheel routes uh, as well. Uh, again, it's just two games, and it's an offense that's still evolving. I just didn't think that it would be this far behind the eight ball overall this early in the season. Yeah, and I, look, they're um... – I pointed to this a lot. I think they had, they've had a little bit of time. It, it was tough to make any adjustments between week one and week two, because you only had four days. You're in such scramble right. mode, just right. to get, get guys healthy and let's install something that's kind of basic or whatever. And, and I think the true test Derek is going to be this week. If, if the passing game continues to look the same after having 11 days to, you know, revamp tweak, whatever you want to say. Then I think you, you could start having a lot more concern. Like, I, let me put it this way. My antenna's up right now. I, I'm not in any kind of panic mode. My antenna's up right now. But if it looks like this, okay, if we're sitting here Tuesday morning, you and I are Tuesday afternoon, you and I are doing the show, yeah. and we say to ourselves, man, it kind of looked like the first three games. Then I think there's reason to start being worried because, you know, you will have had time to fix it. This is the lighter por- – even though Tampa's pretty good defense, this is the lighter portion overall of the schedule – it can't look like this when you're playing, you know, Buffalo, Kansas City, San Fran, Dallas, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you better start getting together now. If this passing game is this ragged after the Tampa Bay game, after extended time off, Rob, you know the airwaves across Philadelphia are going to, to be screaming, and we're going to be breaking it. We're going to spend a whole week breaking down what's wrong with this passing game. Yeah. What's wrong with Jalen Hurts? You know, and that's going to be a topic of discussion all week long next week. And then they have to turn around and come back and play the next game on a short week. So they go from extended time off to an even shorter week. True. This is the game you have to get it right in terms of what we expect this offense to look like. Um, if not, it's going to be a long week next week. Even if they win, if they win another close game, mm-hmm. even if they win and it's dominated by the run game more so than the passing game, if Jalen's missing targets on overthrows, missing guys in wide open space, then people are going to say, what the heck's wrong with Jalen? What, what's yeah. he going through right now? Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think right now, Derek, it's it's sort of split, right? It's Is Jalen not living up to the hype, to the contract, to what he did last year? Or is it Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni's game plan? You know, what's happening? The, the other thing that's interesting with, with them right now, the seven sacks allowed through two games. Yeah, yeah. With what many of us consider the best offensive line in football going into the season. Is Jalen holding the ball too long? Uh, is the line just not playing up to snuff so far? Uh, you know, what? what's the reasoning behind that? That's not something I thought we'd be sitting here talking about, quite frankly. From, from my perspective, Rob, it's been a case of him holding. If you really watch it closely, there's no rhythm in the passing game. He's yeah. double pumped. He's been holding the ball too long. It's like he's unsure of what he's seeing down the field. And I'm sure that's directly related to these 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 phantom coverages that both Belichick and Brian Flores threw against him. You know, you think you're seeing one thing and all of a sudden the ball is snapped and they drop into something else. I think, but see, in the past, he's been able to overcome that. Last year, it was basically flu- uh, just fluid. But now, all of a sudden, he's hesitating. And, and I think that's directly why this passing attack has been so jagged up to this point. Is it, is it, is it, more Jalen or more of the schemes that they're seeing this year compared to last year? Yeah. Is it Jalen or is it better personnel that they're seeing this year compared to, compared to last year? You know, they went from shredding Ed Donatel's, you know, zone defense last year, Minnesota to now Brian Flores, direct disciple of Bill Belichick. You saw them both in a span of four days. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot to overcome in four days. Now you get to face Todd Bowles, a Todd Bowles defense. What the heck is he going to throw at you? 
-hmm. So it's going to start with Jalen. Everybody's going to be watching Jalen that much closer. Is he pumping the ball? Is he hesitating to release the ball? Why? Is it because of the scheme or is it because of something else that hasn't been identified yet? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of, a lot of questions. All right. So, uh, Total yards, I don't get as wrapped up in as maybe some people do. They're 11th right. in total yards or whatever. I, I worry about points and what the offense and the, the passing game and the running game looks like. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Uh, defensively, 24 points per game. That's 16th. They're right around the middle of the pack uh, in terms of points allowed. They were they were higher than that last year. Uh, and this is where it has gotten interesting. They flipped the script here. They're, they're first against the run. They're the best team against the run. And they're second to last against the pass. Now, a, a lot of this is circumstance. Minnesota threw a ton, as you would expect, because A, they were down, and B, the Eagles were down bodies. So you have to take this stuff into account when you're when you're looking at stats sometimes. Uh, that is critical to look at. But let's face it, Derek, they're going to be susceptible in the air. When you're without Avante Maddox, and you, you know at least you were without Bradbury last game, no N'Kobe Dean, this stuff catches up to you eventually. And, you know, I, I think they are a team. I, like, I think Tampa's going to look to attack them in the air. I think you're going to see a lot of Evans, Godwin targets, as you would anyway with their game plan. Evans may have a buck 80 in this game out of necessity because Tampa Bay can't run the football. If he gets a buck 80 through the air, that's not good. Yeah, That means Baker has time to stand back there and throw the football, and they're not getting enough pressure on him initially. And number two, Evans is just a nightmare matchup for anybody he comes up against. I don't care who you are, you know, because of his size is six, five, and he's a big body and he's physical. He's not the most fast. He's not the fastest receiver out there, but he's fast enough. And he's so crafty and so smart and running his routes, you know, and we keep overlooking Chris Godwin. Godwin is that speedster on the other side. Even when they get Bradbury back, they're going to have problems because of the inconsistency with the safety play and because they still can't defend the middle of the field. I think that's going to be a problem all season long for this team. And they haven't even seen Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, all these guys that are, they're going to see. Um, and if I'm an offensive coordinator, and, you know, let's face it, Rob, these OCs, these DCs, they have buddies across the league. They've coached, coached with a lot of these guys at the college ranks and pro level all across the league. Word gets out. Here's how you attack this Eagles defense. And until the Eagles figure a way out to, to, to stop it, or if they can figure out a way to can't figure out a way to stop it, it's going to be a problem all season, all season yeah. long. I think you hit the nail. I I really think that you just nailed it. I, I think the biggest thing is they we saw his team take some try to take some things away last year, but they didn't have as much time I think to dig in on it. And I think teams, well, let's face it, it wasn't just the Patriots who were game planning for the Eagles. Every team who was playing them to some degree had an idea what they wanted to do when they played them. Now, they're also piggybacking off of the success that New England had and, you know, some of the things that, that Minnesota maybe did in the past game against them, mm-hmm. you know, defensively. Uh, and, I, and I don't think the Eagles have countered well. And I don't know it's, – again, it's two games, and we're going to see about this game. But if it l- keeps looking like this, it won't, won't be a good reflection of Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni. No. And, and, and Rob, we're in Philadelphia. Yes. Where everything is magnified ten times compared to a lot of cities across the NFL. And Sirianni is going to stand, have to stand at that podium and answer questions he doesn't want to answer. We've already seen him get testy uh, coming out of that last game against the Vikings. Uh, this is where we're going to find out the true medal of a, of a Nick Sirianni because everything was Camelot last year, even when they lost games. You know, it was Camelot last year. Everything was happy, happy, you know, you know, 
you know, but now if this thing continues to be stagnant and, and, and you know, and Sean Desai is going to be put under a microscope. Yep. You know, luckily for Matt Patricia, he doesn't have to step to the microphone. This is all on Sean Desai, a young up and coming defensive coordinator who doesn't have the personnel that they had a year ago. He's in a situation where he has to grow his defense. As you grow your defense, there will be mistakes that will be continue to be made. And that's not what you want at this point, especially if they start losing games, right? If well, they start losing games like two in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Chris D, defense is at all offseason to study how to take away our offensive weapons. Absolutely. Yeah. Now now it's up to our, our new OC and, and our quarterback coach to teach Jalen how to read quickly. Jen's decision making respond to that. Exactly right. Um, I think, you know, the other the other piece of this thing is they're so front and heavy here. Like the defensive line, we talked about how good Carter and, and Davis and Fletcher Cox. And I think Hassan Reddick is fig- still figuring it out with a thumb. We already saw Josh Sweat get the strip sack. You know, I think Brandon Graham will be fine. You're so good there. And then, man, here come the question marks. Linebacker, especially with Dean out. Uh, secondary. Now you get, I think you'll get Bradbury back. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, which will help, but you're still then without Maddox, Maddox and Zach McPherson. So you're down two guys at that nickel corner spot. Um, and you were already questionable with your safeties. Yeah. And the other thing is, I don't know. I mean, we'll see with these guys, the ribs, if they're going to be ready to go. I, I, I would think they are, but I don't know for sure. I mean, it's, what is it? 15 days. They'll have 15 days, right. In between. The, the uh, 11, and then the, that was 11. No, no, no. I'm uh, saying for the guys who only played week one, it'll be 15 oh, yeah, days, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that's 15. To, yeah, you're right. Um, but see, we don't even know the extent of some of these rib injuries. You know, we know Fletcher was able to, to tape it up and pad it and come out and play, but we don't know the extent of uh, Blankenship's rib injury. Right. You know, they're, the one thing about the Eagles, they're very hush hush about injured players until they don't have to be anymore. Until one of the media people go behind closed doors and get one of their sources to reveal something to them, then that's the only way they come out and tell you the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. But until then, we're going to sit here and speculate. And obviously, we won't know until the injury report comes out on Sunday. If Blankenship still has in practice or is limited in practice on Sunday, that's not good for Monday night. Yeah, it's not a good sign. I, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. All right, uh, let's come back again. Jeff McLean at 2 o'clock. Let's do a little combo uh, platter here, Derek. we got a lot of NFL stuff that we'll throw your way. We'll get some Phillies in there as well. But uh, give you a couple injury updates. Man, last night last night uh, was there were some biggies, and I, I will, we'll revisit a couple of those. We'll tell you what's going on yeah. uh, around the NFL, a bunch of other stuff that we'll get into as well. One of the things, and I love this, you introduced this during our show meeting, but there's nine 2-0 teams and nine yep. 0-2 teams. Yep. We're going to tell you which team – that's two and zero. Oh, we'll lose. Which team that's zero oh and two will get in the win column? Not an easy exercise. No, it's not. I this took me longer than I thought it was going to after yep. you brought it up. But it, but anyway, we'll 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 dig into that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Pro Action Restoration is the place that you reach out to if you have a home, you have a business, maybe a property that you own, and you go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke or mold damage uh, to your property. You're not really sure, sure who to turn to. Well, Pro Action Restoration is that place, and they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through something very similar on a Saturday. I didn't know who to turn to, who to call, who to ask. 
I reached out to them. They got right out to my parents' place. They cleaned up uh, what was a basically a flood in their basement. Uh, they diagnosed the problem. They fixed it. They cleaned everything up. The, the price was right. The crew was great. It was, uh, it was a really uh, a relief of an experience for sure. ProAction Restoration is licensed, bonded, fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So if it's water, fire, smoke, say mold remediation, or something you're not really sure about, you can reach out to them. Uh, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-623. 3760-610-623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, we're back. Thanks for hanging. Appreciate it. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Gunner, we normally do our NFL segment at 2 o'clock, but we'll have uh, Jeff McClain coming up at 2. So let's uh, let's do a little NFL activity. So uh, we obviously we mentioned and talked about it quite a bit in the early going here, the injury to Nick Chubb. Uh, it was nasty. It was awful. It, if you haven't seen it, it really – I'm not – I would just advise you, you don't need to seek this one out. It was pretty pretty ugly. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah you want to, go for it. But it's it's not pleasant. But anyway, he's done for the season. Um, beyond that, last night, Derek, in the other game with the Panthers and New Orleans, initially it looked like an ankle injury, but Shaq Thompson, broken fibula, he's done yeah. for the year. Yes. Right, right, just announced. That's mm. a huge blow to that defense there. Uh, yeah, man, you hate to see it, man. Yeah, and but – Rob, every every year I talk about how these injuries are piling up at a devastating rate. You look around the league, you know, you got David Montgomery with a thigh. He was carted off the field. He's day-to-day. Yep. You know, you got offensive tackle Taylor Decker. Uh, he missed the last game. Ankle, you know, he's coming. Halapuli Vati Vaitai went down with a knee injury. Those guys on the Detroit offensive line are going to miss significant time with these ankle and knee injuries. Um, you got James Houston who has a fibula injury, defensive end. I mean, these things are piling up at a rapid rate, and I'm talking about not just strained tendons and hamstring. I'm talking about devastating stuff, man. It's like, you know, where does this end? And the thing is, you know, we were talking last week about the cry from the, the from the NFLPA and David Bakhtiari about more grass fields. Guess what? Nick Chubb got hurt on a grass field. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think would I prefer everybody to be on grass? Sure, it, but it's football, and you have giant football. men crashing into each other. There are going to be injuries if you played it on pillows. If you played this on on, on a mattress, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it's going to happen anyway. There's just too many big mm-hmm. bodies moving at too fast a rate it, to avoid this. It's it, it's mm-hmm. it's life. It's the attrition sport. It's the ultimate attrition sport. So uh, two biggies last night. You know that weren't the only ones. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick left the game with a chest injury. Yes, and, and he and was the one. He was the one who hit Chubb. He hit Chubb. Yeah, later in the game, he dove for somebody. You could see he was. He's kind of like, you know, grasping for air. He went to a hospital. Uh, yep. That didn't look good. I mean, yeah, there's. Look, the Bengals aren't sure if Burrow's going to play this week with that calf. No, no, that doesn't look good either. Um, no. Buda Baker's on the IR with a hamstring. Yes. It's just, I mean, Cooper Cup still not off IR. I mean, he right. can't come off IR. And, it, you know, he's talking about nerve damage, a hamstring with nerve damage. Mm-hmm. I've, I haven't heard of that one before. No. You know, I mean, these these injured, these dudes are so big, so fast, and it's like 100-mile-an-hour collisions at every snap. Right. The field has not gotten any bigger, but the bodies have. When you're looking at a guy like a Jordan Davis at 6'5", six, six, 350 pounds, 340 pounds, running a four six forty. And you're colliding head on with another guy who can run four seven and four eight, or yeah, dude. Major collisions are bound to happen, man. And you just hope you're upright and breathing like the Eagles were last year with most of your components. But man, every week somebody's losing somebody significantly, man. Yeah, yeah. I look. I, I'm with you. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not a great sign. I don't know if you saw this last night. Um, 
Deshaun Watson made contact with he basically shoved an official. But did he, did he get called for? No. There wasn't How? even a flag. How's that possible? I don't know. I mean, that's usually something they're on pretty high alert if there's any kind of contact, but he's I, he I don't think he's gonna even get a fine or get suspended for it. Go back to last season, and Green Bay had a young linebacker out of Georgia, um, Quay Walker, I believe his name is. And he, after a play, he actually pushed the referee out of the way, got fined and suspended a game. Right. Are you telling me Deshaun Watson, and it was visible on camera? I guarantee you the league is going to take a look at this, and there's going to be some kind of fine. Maybe even, he might get a game suspension for this. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Um, he had the face mask, if you remember. He, he pulled it, kind of pulled the defender down a little bit. Twice. Yeah, twice. And then he, and then there was the, the you know, sort of the pushing. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, uh, it, it during a scrum that that broke out. Um, I, I would say it's more was it was more of a shove, whatever. Um, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see what what could happen here. It's going to be interesting. You know, from his perspective. I, He's a guy who should be laying low, <laughs> considering the history here. But hasn't he had enough um, publicity for one for one lifetime? I guess. Uh, okay, so uh, it, according to the NFL, the contact with the official did not rise to the level of a foul. What? So here's the rule: under no circumstance is a player allowed to shove, push, or strike an official in an offensive, disrespectful, un- or unsportsmanlike manner. Players shall be disqualified from the game and any such action should be reported to the commissioner who can blah, 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 blah. So in the judgment of the officials, the contact did not rise to the level of a foul. The NFL explained today. So this is today, not last night. The officials are called upon to maintain an order on the field. And sometimes while performing their duties, there is inadvertent contact between players and officials. I'll tell you what, the Sean's a very lucky man. Are you kidding me? That, that's how they justify what happened? Yeah. My understanding is under no circumstance are you allowed to put your hands on an official. Unless an official is like, you know, tumbling into you some way, shape or form. He, he trips over somebody, you're trying to protect your lower extremities and you push them away from you, something like that. Yeah. But you put your hands on an official. Normally that's automatic flag and fine. Yep. But the league came out and said that. Yeah, that's I'm what they stopped. said. That's what they said. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well, Derek. I really was. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, so it, it has not been a good start for the Bears or Justin Fields uh, no. so far. He's been sacked 10 times. So that would be a pace for 85 sacks, which is an NFL record. 85? <laughs> yeah. 80, 85, I quit. <laughs> you hit me 85 times. That's only the sacks. 80. How many hits does he take? Well, that's the thing. Like, are, is he still going to be standing for 17 games if he's been sacked this many times? But the problem is, yes, the line hasn't been good. Derek, he's holding the ball for four-plus seconds on a lot of these. Can't do that in today's game. Can't, can't do it. do it, man. And, and he can't doesn't do look like he's progressing, you know, from last year, and they've just been a train wreck as a team. So it, things not looking good in Chi-Town right now. So their commitment to fix the offensive line has not worked up to this point. Right. And the defense, the money they spend on defense has not worked up to this point as well. You're right. Chicago is a hot mess. And I want to know, is it is it just the kid not evolving or is it the lack of coaching? Is it improper coaching in terms of 
how to see what you need to see, how to get rid of the ball, how how that mechanism in your head, one, two, three, throw, uh, has not kicked in yet. Uh, I, who's at fault here? It's easy to point fingers, but I, be, I believe this is multiple uh, a multiple finger-pointing situation mm-hmm. from the player to the coaches in terms of not this player not being confident in terms of what he needs to see from a passer to the coaches not properly spending off, enough off time, off-season time with him from the OTAs through training camp to get him to be that better passer. All we heard off season was he's going to be better. I'm going to take it upon myself to be better. You got him a receiver. Yeah. DJ Moore. You got a decent, you got a decent running back the offensive line. You claim you fixed it and it's not getting better. Where's the problem? Not good. Not good. Uh, for sure. You know, what's good. It's good to be Patrick Mahomes and you're going to get Derek a guaranteed $210.6 million over the next three years. Sign me up. Yep, that's pretty good. I'm in. Yep. Yep. Give me that kind of money. So they restructured him, and that's the result of the restructuring. That's that's what he will get over, over from, from this year to, to 2026. He will get that. Is there a quarterback in the league that should be paid more than Patrick Mahomes? No. No. 27 years old, two Super Bowl trophies, three Super Bowl appearances, two league MVPs, Two Super Bowl MVPs. Mm-hmm. How many quarterbacks can say that? None. Nobody right now. I mean, I, I think he will go down. He stays healthy. He's going to go down in any conversation that we have, possibly in terms of the greatest, if not the greatest, top three, top four that have ever lived. Uh, uh, there's no question. If he stays healthy, I agree with you 100%. And he's doing it in such an unorthodox manner, Rob. He throws blind passes. He throws no-look passes. He throws sidearm. He mm-hmm. over the, he flips it over the top. He does everything that you're not used to a quarterback doing. No, everything you would tell a young kid don't do. He does it, and he yep. does it with success. And he's a winner. You know? Yes. He's a winner. He's a comeback artist. He's a magician. He fills seats. He yep. puts people in seats. And the fact that Kansas City, kudos to Kansas City's front office for identifying his wealth, his worth, and putting him back at the top of the pedestal in terms of athletes, all right, this is the this is the money bracket quarterbacks are in now. And we we realize there will be no arguments, there will be no tension between us and Patrick Mahomes. We are here to show you how much we appreciate you. And the fact now, now this is still under his original contract because his contract doesn't end until 2031. Right. And they've already said we will address this again in 26. Mm-hmm. Why in 26? Because that new contract TV money will be well in place. Yeah. And you know these young kids coming up who are in the league now, the Bryce Youngs, the C.J. Strouds, the Anthony Richardsons, and, of course, the existing young quarterbacks who are making their money, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, are all and Deshaun Watson, all of you looking for more money. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Mahomes, if he, continue, if he wins another Super Bowl, if he gets them to another couple of Super Bowls, is going to be put right back where he should be at the top of that pedestal. Yeah, I, I listen. It's uh, that's where it's going. Uh, we know that much. Hey, uh, two former Eagle uh, news stories. The the first one stinks, and this goes into the injury category. You just feel bad. Uh, CJ GJ, CJ Gardner Johnson's uh, uh, season over with a torn pec in Detroit. Remember, he had the scare in camp initially, yes. and you thought, "Ooh, he's never going to play a snap for the Lions." Well, it turns out. Play two games for the Lions, uh, right. and he's done. And he was only on a one-year deal, too. Yeah. And, a, and a low one-year deal at that. Right. 
like a five million dollar deal. Yeah, so uh, he's that's a big one because that defense still isn't fixed. By the way, if you, no, anybody watched yeah. them last week against Seattle, they're not. Nope. They have some studs, but they don't have enough studs uh, on that defense. Losing him's a big deal. So that's a tough blow for them. Uh, there. The the other one. Uh, this is interesting. Trey Sermon has caught on with the Colts. Okay. That makes sense there. Um, that's, that's one bit. Yeah. He was cut, uh, injury cut here with the Eagles now. Yeah, uh, and you know what? Considering the state, the state of jo- uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, he could not get run here. He can go there and get run. He knows Stiken Stiken knows him, too. Stiken knows knows him. Yeah. Yep. yep. And they need a running back. And once he gets up to speed, maybe not this week, I guarantee you, if he's healthy, he's going to be in there next week. He's going to have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, I think it's he's got a chance there to, to make a difference and, and catch on. Um, that's all you're really asking, you know, at that point, really. Yeah, they've got a good offensive line, and they need somebody to take some of that pressure off Anthony Richardson running the football because they can't afford having Richardson uh, taking the kind of shots he took this past Sunday. No, uh, I, I'll tell you, uh, just back to the Browns for a minute. Do you see them maybe being players here for Jonathan Taylor, or do you think they ride in-house with, with the kid Ford who looked so good last night, do you think they go to the outside? Because there's two guys. I'll yeah. give you. I'll give you Jonathan Taylor, and and the Rams are openly saying we're trading Cam Akers. Like there's not even a, you know, question at this point. I would go back to Kareem Hunt to be honest with you, and I still can't understand why he's sitting out there. To be right. I, that just blows me away that he he is a talented young back. I would go back to him. Now you may have to pay a little bit more to get him back, but you know what? Uh, I think Jerome Ford is a nice. Uh, step up running back, but if you bring Kareem Hunt, Kareem would be that feature back eventually, and Jerome would be that that backup, that change of pace. Mm-hmm. That's still a great one-two combination for Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I, I, I got to imagine. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I if I'm Cleveland, I think I have enough. They got to get Watson straightened out, but I think I have enough pieces to do some real damage. I, I would I would look long and hard at making a move at running back. I think it would be the smart move. Fournette's still out there. You know, there. There's something they can do to upgrade that position. Uh, that much is for sure. You you brought this up too, Derek, in our pre-show meeting, and I think there's there it, it's interesting in light of what's happening here. The NFLPA, that filing that they put out there with running backs and, turn, and, and, and faking injuries, really comes into play when you're talking about some of the things that these guys are going through right now. Well, the, 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 the league office filed a grievance against the NFLPA. Yeah. Claiming that the NFA uh, NFLPA is telling running backs basically to fake injuries. Yep. And, and how ironic it is, this story comes to light. Now they filed this grievance at September 11th, mm-hmm. but the story doesn't come to light until after Nick Chubb gets hurt last night. And now Anytime a running, it's already it's already bad enough. They're not getting paid their worth. Now, anytime they go down, people, media are going to be looking at this as are they faking it? Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what, Rob? How many times do we see in a game an offensive or defensive lineman or a linebacker or a running back from any given team walk up to a line of scrimmage and all of a sudden sit down when momentum's going against them at a crucial point in the game? They sit down and pat their helmet like they're injured. We saw it with Chip Kelly all the time. You remember? How do you see that? Yeah. So now you're going to put running backs under the spotlight, one of the, the most physical positions on a football field. You're going to put them under the spotlight even more so now because of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like the water, the, the dam just continues to open against running backs in the National Football League. I've never seen anything like this. This was this was a position that was put on a high pedestal for years. 
When you think about some of the greats who ran, Walter Payton, John Riggins, uh, you know, Earl Campbell, you know, guys like that. And now all of a sudden, they're the afterthought of the league. And Leonard Weaver put it so eloquently. They've got to know when to step up in, hole, in the hole, the blitz, catch the ball, run the ball. You know, they do so many different facets of the game. And now all of a sudden, they're considered like the bastard child of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it just blows me away. And now the, now the league is coming out saying they're faking. That's fraud. That's fraud because players do it all the time. You know, you see an offense marching down the field, crucial point. All of a sudden, you see a player look around, sit down on the field, pat his helmet. Officials call a time injury timeout. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I hear you. I know. Yeah, but it's like to me, some of this stuff is so hard to police. Kind of like the NBA is going to do this thing where they don't want all the stars sitting out in certain games and all that kind of stuff. You know, good luck. Like, what if a guy's like, Hey, I can't go. I have a sore hamstring. Like, ultimately, how does the league prove that he's not telling the truth? Exactly. Or my back's stiff. Like, that's not going to show up maybe on an MRI. I that's, I don't know. We'll 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 see what ends up. And you and you think team trainers and team doctors aren't going to to second and third the notion of a player that's injured in the NBA? Totally. Who who pays their salaries? I guarantee you, it's mandated from from the top. If we need a player to sit out a game. You better be on board with what we're talking about. Yep. They want to be employed. You're right about that. All right, let, let's dip into this, Derek. The 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 two and oh versus O2. Ah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Let me let me set the uh stage here and and let's start with the 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 positives here. Let's start with the two and O teams. All right. Okay? All right, let's work AFC to NFC. Dolphins, two and oh, Ravens, two and oh. That's it, by the way, in the AFC. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Uh, yep. Go to the NFC. There's three teams in the East. The Eagles, 2-0. Cowboys, 2-0. Commanders, 2-0. Go to the South. Falcons, 2-0. Saints, 2-0. <laughs> Tampa Bay, 2-0. Who would have thought the NFC South would have three 2-0 teams? Unbelievable. Only one team in the West, and it's the 49ers, okay? So there's yep. all of your teams. Here's the 0-2 teams. Again, who would have thought? Uh, Cincinnati Bengals. New England Patriots. Houston Texans, L.A. Chargers, Denver Broncos. Keep moving. Vikings, 0-2. Bears, 0-2. Panthers, 0-2. Cardinals, 0-2. So there you're 2-0s and 0-2s. Now, the exercise is which 2-0 team will lose first, and who will it be? Which 0-2 team will win first? All right, you, you want to take either category. I'll take the other one, Whatever you, wherever you want to go. I'll take, I'll take the 2-0s. All right. And I'll let you – and then you can you can take the 0-2s first. Okay, okay. I think Washington will be the first team to drop to 2-1. and one. They're, uh, they're at home against Buffalo this week. If the, Buffalo team, if, if the Buffalo team that played this past Sunday shows up in Washington, uh, the Washington's uh, unblemished season comes to an end, comes to a crashing halt. Uh, I know Washington's playing well, good defensive personnel, this Sam, uh, this Sam Howell seems to be an, more athletic and better than what we thought he was. Mm-hmm. I don't see them b- beat Buffalo at home. Man. I think Buffalo has too much on both sides of the football. Great choice, especially Buffalo being one and one. Buffalo's yeah. not going to let up. There's going to be no let up. Uh, Allen, to his credit, said he was going to fix things, and he fixed them between week one and week two. He played smart football. Yes. He wasn't reckless. He wasn't trying to be hero guy. He wasn't perfect but he was better than he was week one. Absolutely. So I, I like that one. I think 
I think Washington got a little fortunate week one against the, they were playing a garbage Cardinals team. If they put yeah. that kind of effort out there, they're going to lose. I, I, if I was going to choose, I choose that one. I'll give you the second choice after that. I'll go with the chargers. I don't love this Derek. Yeah. But I looked at the other teams. Uh, I'm talking the chargers are going to win. I'm going to take the Owen two side of this thing. I think the chargers okay. are going to win their first game of the season at Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota stinks. I do too. Uh, and I don't see LA. I think LA while they're not great, is not an 0-3 team. I don't think they're that bad. Okay. So I think they go on the road and get themselves a win. Uh, I think they're going to tighten some things up a little bit. I look for the Chargers to win and get off the schneid here, and they'll have their first uh, victory of the season. Okay. All right. I, I agree with you, but I did put one team ahead of – I put one team ahead of the uh, of the Chargers. All right. And, and that team was New England. I think New England can beat the Jets. With 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 the, uh, Zach Wilson quarterbacking that team, oh, I think New England will be. Yeah, to be honest yes. with you, Be- Be- Belichick will put him in handcuffs. He he'll now, be in a straitjacket. He won't know what's going on. No, no, like that, that 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 game might be a ten to six game, Rob. Yeah, I don't see a lot of scoring in that game, but I think Belichick's defensive scheme versus that stout uh, Jets defense it comes down to quarterback play that's a good one that's a yeah. good one i'll tell look I, i'm gonna sound a little i guess homerish here but i'm gonna say it anyway yeah uh, of the two and O teams that could lose first yeah tampa yep you know tampa's done a great job so far i, I commend them i give them a lot of credit but can May, baker mayfield hold up uh you know todd bowles has been a great coordinator he's not hasn't been a great head coach the eagles know they haven't played particularly well uh, they are five and a half point favorites on the road. I think Tampa could go down and, you know, that'd be their first loss of the season. I, I agree a hundred percent. They're number three on my, my team, my two and O teams that'll fall. My number two team on the list of two and O's that could fall. I was torn because I believe green Bay is going to beat new Orleans in green Bay after watching new Orleans play. I agree with you. I think green Bay is going to beat new Orleans because green Bay shot itself in the foot. They should have won in Atlanta if it wasn't for that bot snap and fourth and inches. I believe they would have beat they would have beat Atlanta down in Atlanta this past Sunday. But I put one team ahead of them. I think Atlanta's losing in Detroit. To be honest, I like that. I like that. I, I you know I don't um what I when I I watch I, I gave a good amount of time to both games last night. Man, last night was a remote challenge going from Phillies to both Monday night games was like pop 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 pop. But anyway, um. I wasn't overly impressed with Derek Carr at all. Uh, Heck no, I'm shocked. They, you know, they were, he had a, he had the benefit. Michael Thomas had a great catch along the sideline. It was like a butt yes. catch. Did you see that? His butt landed in bounds. A uh, couple other plays, but a lot of their offense was like pounding Taysom Hill. I, I didn't, oh, yeah. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not overly impressed with, with New Orleans, at least early on uh, I, in this thing. I, I agree with you 100%. And Tampa Bay was my number three. Because they, they play Monday night instead of on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so Tampa Bay will be the third 2-0 team to fall. I do believe it's going to be a struggle for the Eagles, but I just think the Eagles have too much talent, especially the Eagles' offense versus Tampa Bay's defense compared to Tampa Bay's offense versus the Eagles' defense. I think the difference is the Eagles' offense in this game. All right. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's sneak in a little Phillies here, uh, Derek, because heck of a game last night. Um you know, Wheeler gives up an early one and then really settles in. He ends up going six, one run allowed, pitched very well in the game. 
for sure. And that's good because he didn't pitch good last time out. But the real story was the offense. They had five home runs last night. Yes. Harper, Rojas, Realmuto, Castellanos, and Schwarber hit one that, that literally, I, I think I just, it, oh, there it goes. It just went past my window. It was 483 feet. It was. Wait, wait, wait. wait what just went past your window? The baseball that he hit last night. Oh, oh okay. All right. Uh, he hit a 483 foot moon shot. Yeah. Like that went over the chop house in Atlanta. It was, un- it was majestic. That thing that he oh, hit. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's only the second longest home run ever hit in that stadium. Ronald Acuna hit yes. one 493. 493. Now, Ronald Acuna, Ronald Acuna is nowhere big as Kyle Schwarber. No, no. The power that kid generates is unbelievable. But let me tell you something, Rob. When, when, when Schwarber hit that home run, I sat there like this. Did you see Ryan Howard's reaction at the game? Yeah. He was at the game with yes. his daughter. <laughs> he was Ryan, just like. Ryan Howard's like, man, I wish I could hit like that. Yeah, I miss oh. it. Yeah, I miss those days. Oh. It, oh, it was man. awesome. It was awesome. So, again, if you're going to draw it up, power – Good starting pitching. Bullpen does their job. That's exactly what they need to have here uh, in the postseason. But a couple other things. I, I want to give props to, to Johan Rojas. He's been awesome. Yes, he is. You know, he's hitting 300. The biggest concern was could he hit? He really, I mean, he's an insane fielder. The, the ground that he covers is unreal. He's got a 344 on base, 442 slugging percentage this year. I mean, he is, they're going to have to figure out somehow, some way how to play him every day next year. He is an everyday type player. He's that yeah, good. There's no question about it. Um, he has been a, he has been a gym, a hidden gym to find. And, you know, when you consider how top loaded they are salary wise, they've got him at a bargain basement price now, right now. We'll, we'll again next year. Um, but you're right. I think he's an everyday player. You got to get him in a lineup. Um, the way he's, the way he's stroking the ball, you know, has been for much of the season. Um, you brought up a great stat in our meeting about how since the All-Star break, the Phillies are second in the majors in terms of home runs. Yeah, they have they have Derek ju- just since, since the all since August 1st, they have 90, which is the most in baseball. And since the All-Star break, they're second behind the Braves. Jeez. Oh, they they have pounded the ball in terms of the long ball, you know. Now if we could just find three more Zach Wheelers. Well, all right. So interesting, interesting tonight. Uh, Christopher Sanchez is going to start, and yep. then they're calling it a, a a piggyback off of Lorenzen. Off of uh, Sanchez is going to be Lorenzen. So this is their way of transitioning Lorenzen into the bullpen, which he's pitched in the bullpen a good amount in his career. Do you really want to see Lorenzen tonight against this Braves lineup? I, but you have you have to. I know you got to figure something out, Derek, because I think this is how he's going to be used in the playoffs. And and let's face it, I'm not saying everybody's the Braves, but you're going to be getting such a high caliber of baseball team. I know. You know, and I and, and I saw Barbara Carroll said, you know, uh, I'm not celebrating the Phillies like they won a World Series, and I get the Braves are playing up a string. I get it. Um, but here's the danger. This is the only thing I would say about that. The danger, uh, where are these things move so fast? The danger of Atlanta having things locked up so early is yeah. do they take their pedal off the metal here? Yeah. And yeah. then they can't crank it back up once the playoffs start. That That's what I would be worried about a little bit if I'm an Atlanta fan. I agree. And, and I understand resting your players, which they've done since they've clinched, rested players. Uh, I get it. 
um, and they still control home home field advantage uh, in the National League. But the, the Dodgers are creeping closer. And, you know, sometimes when you go in these tailspins, we see it in baseball all the time, they're not easy to come out of. Yeah. So the Braves have to be real careful about how they approach this thing um, because the Dodgers are still playing like they're still trying to get that home field advantage should it come down to the Dodgers and Braves in the NLCS. Right, um, right. And that that's something that's, that's yes. you know, critical here. You know, Braves have got, the Braves need to get back to that sharp edge, which they were for all of much of this season. Uh, if not, because you know what, Rob? Somehow yeah. bad habits have a way of festering at the wrong time. No, you're right about that. All right. You know what's a good habit? Having Jeff McLean on the show. Yes, so when indeed. we come back, yes, we, we will we will talk to Jeff about all things birds through two weeks and uh preview what's coming up on Monday night in Tampa. Quick time out, come back. Jeff McLean joins us. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I'm going to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Flynn Tree Services is an insured Pennsylvania tree services company and an experienced uh, tree service company that services southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's Flynn treeservices.com right back go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. Perfect goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, we're back. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Appreciate you hanging with us on this Tuesday. All right, let's bring up our next guest. You can follow him on Twitter or X at Jeff underscore McLean. Of course, he is the Eagles reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer and does an excellent podcast called, called Uncovering the Birds. Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, good, but uh, we're doing well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I want to start with the injuries here, Jeff. I sound like Andy Reid, uh, but but I do. Uh, they are, you know, especially to, to spots where they were already a little bit thin. You know, Avante Maddox, the Kobe Dean, etc. Um, I know they they worked out William Jackson the third here as as a corner. What do you see them doing here, Jeff? Is this just hopefully guys can step up, or do you see Howie maybe making a bigger move rather than just a guy on the street, a trade? How do you see them addressing that? Yeah, well, we know how he's never afraid to make a move when he needs to. So I would not never rule that out um, as it re- as it relates to the slot cornerback position. Now they have Mario Goodrich as the kind of guy behind him, and he stepped in for Avante when he went down on Thursday against the Vikings. But they also have this uh, James Bradbury option. He practiced inside a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot during training camp. And it was kind of in more like the – I felt like the that quasi-linebacker role that the slot sometimes can play uh, in certain packages. Um, but certainly he can do – he can play inside um, and, and has those cornerback-type skills. Um, but that would force jo- Josh Job then to be the starter on the outside. Is that what you want? Uh, does that hurt you in that regard? I thought Job was up and down. He had some good moments and he had some bad moments. Uh, to be expected first time making a, a start in the NFL. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't rule them out making some sort of bringing someone else in maybe at that spot. Uh, Goodrich struggled, but that was a tough spot for him to have to jump in there. And, um, you know, safety is another one with Reed Blankenship out. Um, I think, you know, they're not expecting him to be out for a long period. Avante obviously is done for almost the, could be the entire season. Reed, they should get it back at some point. So I don't, think they're going to quite make a move at safety yet hey jeff give me your perspective on what we have seen from the inconsistency so far with jalen uh in the passing game um first game you can say okay they didn't play in the preseason a little rust but it carried over four days late four days later in week number two is there a cause for concern or are, are we should we pump the brakes until further notice yeah, I would uh, pump it a little bit just because it's two games and Jalen has at this point, you know, last year um, a large sample of, of him have, being successful. That being said, uh, you know, it is what it is. The first two weeks he was not great. Um, was he bad? No. Mm-hmm. He had a really bad interception on Thursday night and he had a really bad fumble in that first game. But he still completed a high number of passes and uh, this was again actually in both games um and was able to throw the ball downfield they had some really big throws to Devonte smith it, i do think that maybe he's struggling to see, to see the field a little bit now is that on 
the play calling um, and, and having a new play caller and Brian Johnson, is that on what, is that what defenses are doing now um, to, you know, they're throwing a lot of different stuff at them. As Jason Kelsey said, we're, we've been seeing a lot of crazy stuff, stuff that we haven't seen on film, stuff that the teams don't normally do. Is it partly that, or is it Jalen just kind of struggling here with all these other um, variables? And it's probably a combination of all three. Um, you know, I thought in re- realistically there was a chance that he was going to have a little bit of a, a regression. Um, and that is bound to happen when teams are just going to spend all offseason looking at this offense, trying to find ways to take away that plus one factor, I think, in the run game. Because if you take that away, then that closes things up down down the field. And while I think Jalen has got much better as a passer, um, he's, is he still at that level where you can just kind of let have it, just let him rip it whenever he he wants to rip it? No, he's only 25 years old. So I, I caution about getting too um, – overly concerned about what we've seen in the first two games. That being said, it is what it is, and you have to acknowledge it. Mm. Jeff, this may fall under that same category of all the above, but seven sacks allowed. Is is that, would it, again, would it be the same thing uh, that applies to Jalen's maybe up and down start, or is the line, at least in pass blocking, certainly not run blocking, they went crazy last week, but not playing at the level they maybe need to play at? I thought the first game was more on the offensive line in terms of the pressure. I thought the second game was more on Jalen in terms of the pressure. Mm. So it's both. That being said, um, it's important to note, and I got to drill this into my head all the time when I'm watching a football game, not only live, but then watching on film, there's 11 different responsibilities out there. So very rarely is it all on one person. And Nick even brought that up himself when asked about the sacks. He's like, well, one of them was because the receiver was running across or wasn't, didn't run the right route or didn't run, run the route the way we wanted him to right, run the route. He was the read. Jalen couldn't throw it there. Then all of a sudden everything, all hell broke loose, broke loose and he had to take the sack. So it's important to, to understand, I guess, on each and every play what all the responsibilities are. That being said, you know, typically when you see something um, firsthand and you watch it, most more often than not, you're pretty right on things. And and I'm watching it again. It did seem like I felt like that there were times where Jalen was just holding on to it long and he just needed to get, Hey, certain clock in your head, then get outside. And then if you have nothing, then throw the ball away. And I thought maybe he tried to force things a little too much in that regard. So um, to answer your question, probably a combination again of several factors. Is there any doubt in your mind that Deandre Swift is now the lead slash Feature back in his offense? I thought he was the lead back um, coming out of training camp. He was, okay. I thought he was really the, the most talented guy. Um, you know, it's not overwhelming, uh, you know, right. um, where he's going to be the workhorse and the only guy you're going to hand the ball off to. That's never really been his thing. Um, can he do it? He wants to do it. He did it in this game 28 carries. He's never, ha- he had 33 carries in one game uh, in his NFL career. Aside from that, uh, before the 28, um, rushes the other night, it was only 16. So the, the the lines didn't think that he was this this type of running back. And I don't think that's what we're going to see here. And in mm-hmm. fact, we didn't see that much. We didn't see Miles Sanders even carry that much, uh, at least in terms of his average. But I, I do question the Eagles a little bit on this, and I know it's a small sample of two games. I just – I didn't understand why Kenny um, was the starter – in the first game, I got 18 touches to Swift's two. Now, there's a lot of stuff that could factor into that as well. You know, on zone reads, you know, do you hand the ball off or not? You know, so 
And I think that got away from the Eagles in that regard and, and they corrected it. But did they correct it because Kenny got hurt and he couldn't play and then they had no other choice? Or did they say, you know what, we Swifty's better? And to me, I think Swifty's just more elusive. He's more of a um, – he's got more explosion than Kenny. I like Kenny. He probably hits the hole maybe a little quicker. Um, he's more of a more north to south guy, which I, I kind of didn't think he was coming out of college. Um, and I think there's no way they're going to bury him. He, he deserves to be a factor on on this offense and be involved in it. But to me, I just think Swifty should get the most snaps. Yeah, I, I was surprised by that too, Jeff. Uh, and it, it seemed like it was that way in camp also, uh, you know, going in. And what I, I, I thought Swift did a great job too, just hitting it right where it was, up the middle. He didn't try to get too cute, didn't try to bust it outside in space. He ran really, really hard. I don't think it's ideal for him to, to maybe have that many carries, but man, yeah. I thought it was really encouraging what you saw out of him. And he got and he got yards after contact. It wasn't like he was yeah. he was he was falling forward, you know. Like and for a guy, I mean, he's not huge, but he's got that low center of gravity and he's he's pretty thick, you know. Um, so I think he can do that. But do you want to do that um, with him? when you're a team that's obviously got high aspirations, right? Do you want like, yeah, yeah. Preserve them a little bit as we go along yeah. here. I don't think that was the factor that was factoring in their thinking in the first game. I think it just kind of got out of their hands, but they were clearly favoring Kenny and, you know, I, I, I defer to them. They know way more than I do. They they're with these guys all the time, but there are times when they kind of can't see the forest from the trees on certain guys it ha- it's happened before we we know it's happened before um i can name a bunch of instances right off the bat remember they're playing alshon jeffrey yep. they kept playing alshon what are you playing alshon Je- he's done you know like yeah. so it can happen with, with these teams before and or it takes them too long to get out of it because they're just so tied to these guys or for whatever the reason um so let's see how this plays out Mm-hmm. Hey, hey Jeff, um, staying with the running backs, uh, this Rashad Penny situation is a little bit perplexing. They deactivate him for the first game, and the only reason he gets in the last game is because Swift taps out because he needs a breather. I thought he would be more, and, and there's mm-hmm. still a lot of games to be played, but I thought he would be more of a prominent, have more of a prominent role in this offense. And ha, ha, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I was a little surprised. I wasn't surprised he wasn't he wasn't active because um, they're not going to carry four running backs on game day, and Boston Scott returns kicks. And you know, it wasn't like they gave this guy a lot of money. I mean, uh, his, right. his, his contract was hardly guaranteed. Now you look at his production in his career, like God, how can you know this guy averaged over five yards a carry? Um, we've seen him uh, be able to be a really dynamic running back when he, when he's healthy, especially after contact, you know, he's a big guy. He's another one that falls forward a lot of times or gets those extra yards. And I thought he looked good in camp. I, he didn't really blow my doors off. Uh, and he's also a guy that really doesn't have much. He's not really great out of the backfield catching the ball. So can you trust him on third down? So, you know, to me, it's just like, where does he fall in? And then now does he become a luxury? And I guess they're viewing him as a luxury and, you know, I guess they just rolled with the hot hand and, and understandably so with Swift. I think he also left because Boston Scott had left with a head injury too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a combination of the head tap tapping out and then, then he got hurt and then they, so they, they went with him and then he, I think, but he, I think he had, a, as we saw, he had a bad holding penalty that took away the touchdown to AJ Brown. So he's not really a third down option. Um, but if Kenny's out again, he'll be up and who knows that that position can always have injuries. Jeff, would you agree with uh, Nick Sirianni's assessment that the A.J. Brown thing on the sideline was a 2 out of 10 
that it was just a not, big nothing burger? Where, 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 where does it fall for you? I don't think it's a nothing burger, um, but I do agree with it. Two out of 10. And I rewatched it and, and, you know, I thought Nick made it worse by getting involved. I mean, like, you know, like you're the head coach, just, just let the position coach handle that. Let those guys figure it out. I just didn't think it was necessary for him to get involved. Of course he said he didn't get involved afterwards and then he got called out on it. (laughs) And um, we know what happened there. Yeah. Um, So he just made it, they made it worse than it really needed to be by, Oh, you know, playing kind of, um, yeah, you know, what's who's the old guy from Hogan's Hero? You know, I see nothing, yeah. you know, Schultz, Schultz, you know, the old Schultz. 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 Yeah, uh, yeah, deny everything, which is kind of what I did for the first 18 years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Try 22 first, 22, Actually, probably 50 years of my life, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, um you know, I've gotten to know AJ a little bit and his family. I went down there. You guys, you know. Yeah, you went to Mississippi. That's why I think you're a good person to, to talk to about this. Yeah. 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 Um, look, so yeah, it's not like he doesn't have – he's not a diva, but it's not that he doesn't have this fierce competitiveness in him and that he's not going to let it be known that, you know, I'm open, I want the ball sort of thing. And I think that's what happened there. Plus, you have to also factor in the dynamic that exists between Jalen mm-hmm. and, and AJ – um, you know, I even put out on Twitter there, you know, part of my story was a very small part of the story, but like I had a lot of information just about how, like when eight, when Jalen showed up in Starkville and, you know, first it was like, he was trying to recruit him to Alabama, but then they became friends and then he'd come and work out with him and they'd get in line and they'd run and they'd work it on passes. And, and AJ's uh, position coach and at Starkville was like, Oh, you see him. They, they were bickering out there and be like, Hey, you don't run the route. You don't run fast enough. Oh, you were in the right spot. You know, he's like, they were like brothers, you know? And, they were working out, um, preparing for, I guess, maybe the possibility that they would be quarterback and receiver on the same team. So um, I think that all factors into it as well. Uh, I, I, I wish AJ would have been in the, by his locker stall afterwards. I think it's pretty easy. Um, I'm of the belief, uh, not just because I'm in the media side, but also I've seen it from the other side and talked to people from the other side. Get out ahead of it. Stand in front of your locker room. Say, hey, I'm competitive. I wanted the ball. We got yeah. in there a little bit. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a huge, huge ordeal. And that stuff does happen all the time. You know, sometimes camera cameras catch it. Sometimes they don't, it happens. Um, that being said, I, I don't think it's a nothing burger. I think it's something certainly that needs to be covered, but I agree. I agree with the, the kind of the two, you know, watching it again, um, maybe cause he had the visor on, you couldn't see his eyes. Um, but from what I gathered, it's all been settled behind the scenes. No big deal. Back to, back to uh, normal. Now, if I may blather on just a little bit longer, mm-hmm. if there is an issue that you could take from this and be concerned about is that is AJ watching, or is AJ concerned because his quarterback is having trouble seeing him down the field? Yeah. Is this more not AJ really? I think AJ is competitive. I think he wants the ball, but it's also like, Hey, what's wrong with you, Jalen? Why aren't, you know, like, is that, so that's something that could be something we have to keep an eye on. Uh, Jeff, the Eagles went into the last game with three outside linebackers. They had Christian Ellis playing the middle, and he played well. Um, can they continue to go this trend? Do they still do they need to find a true inside backer, depending on how long the Kobe Dean may be out, or can they survive with the way they're going about it now? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Nicholas Morrow, they they called up and um the Morrow, yeah. Yeah, Morrow. Morrow is the one that they end up putting at the mic. Um to some surprise because he hadn't he'd been in the practice squad and he hadn't been called up. Um, 
He did okay. Uh, and and and, Al, and uh, Cunningham really bounced back from that first game, I yes. thought. Yes. Um, he did not perform well in that first game. I think he'd be the first to say so. Ellis as well, which is probably why Morrow got the call ahead of him uh, to be the mic. Um, I still feel like that's an area of concern, though, mm-hmm. and, and teams are going to go right at it. Um, you know, the Vikings um, had some success in the middle of the field. Hawkinson did have some catches. I think those came more against the safeties than they did the linebackers. So I got to give that, you know, I wrote a column about it. I looked at the film, whatever. I wrote, hey, this linebacker issue, again, looks like it's going to be a problem. Um, but I got to be completely honest. I thought the linebackers performed well against the Vikings. That being said, it's one game. Let's see how it plays out here over the next several games because the Kobe Dean is going to be out for at least uh, probably two or three more games. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, linebackers aside, let, let's look at real uh, versus fake concerns. What, what's a real concern for you that you've seen through two games? Um, I think Jalen, obviously, we have to address – um, it's definitely one I'd be concerned about. Uh, um, and I think that's partnered with the play calling of yep. Brian Johnson. Although I give Brian Johnson credit. I mean, hey, inside zone, it's working. Yeah, he right. pulled it out yep. well, and he Pound. did. Yeah, Right, and he just he doesn't have any kind of ego about, hey, I still want to do this, that, and the other thing. No, he pounded it, and they won the game. And they should have won going away yep. um, with all the turnovers that the Vikings had. Um. Let's see. Uh, well, I thought, you know, punting was, and they, they've tr- they're trying to correct that um, under the radar issue, and they went and got uh, a new punter, and Aaron Sippus is gone. Um, that's, I think that's real. Uh, linebacker, as I mentioned, I think is real. Um, second safety is real. Uh, cornerback, slot cornerback has to be real, right? You lost your starter. Um, but I'm not concerned about the offensive line. I'm not concerned about the defensive line. Um, you know, I think they have enough running backs, the wide receivers, this whole AJ thing. I'm not concerned about that. Dallas Goddard, don't worry. He's going to get his catches. Um, Sean Desai, I I don't think I'm as concerned as maybe some people. Um, I've liked some of the stuff I've seen him doing. And I think that the fact that, you know, they weren't able to kind of put that team away, you know, first of all, give credit to the Vikings and Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL or one or three of them. You know, there's like maybe two other guys maybe you put in that conversation He's a tough guy to cover. I mean, let's just be truthful here. Um, but he was decimated in the secondary. I mean, then when you lost Maddox, all of a sudden you had um, only three starters. Yep. Mm-hmm. That were healthy at that point. Three of the six that you really kind of rely on. Yep. Um, so, or maybe even been two of six. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I think he had a scramble there. So look, I mean, I, we got to see how this plays out over a long course uh, when it goes to decide. But um, that's kind of where I sit. Jeff, we look at the back end, and we don't know the status yet of Bradbury. Now, these 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 head, you know, injuries and and concussion protocols are so crazy. A lot of times, we see these guys come back from one game to the next. Sometimes they're extended a little bit longer. Number one, do you have any insight as we sit here today in terms of where Bradbury might be in the concussion protocol? And number two, who do you bring up? Who who do you feel more comfortable with the young kids to to fill some of the voids? Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks. So on and so forth. Yeah. So Bradbury, uh, I guess the injury report will probably say where he is in terms of, you know, um, the, the concussion protocol. That's the one I'm not really uh, – I got I got a better sense of maybe the guys who had the rib injuries than him. Okay. Um, now, Nick says that he can't talk about it because he's in the protocol, which is not true. He can he can talk up as much as he want about, about – Yeah, your coach uh, is something else, man. James Bradbury, where he is. 
<laughs> in the in the protocol. In fact, Andy Reid used to give us they're at. Um, now I'm sure you know the league maybe has told them, hey, don't talk as much about concussions or whatever. But I just want to be very clear about that. There's nothing legally that's preventing him from talking about James Ware. He just doesn't want to talk about it. And hey, you know what? I completely understand. So it's my job to find out behind the scenes what's going on. Um, so Bradbury, uh, I, I'm not exactly sure where he stands. Um, now in terms of who's going to replace him if he's out, I mean, and then you have to put, well, I, I guess if it's, if he's out, then you don't have the option to put him inside. It'll be Job on the outside and it'll be Mario Goodrich on the inside until they decide what they're going to do. Um, in terms of the, I guess, Eli, I guess, um, Keely Ringo is on the active roster. He'd have to be up ahead of Eli Ricks right now. Although I, yeah. I think I thought Ricks looked better in training. I agree. Ringo. So, you know, if they were pressed, maybe um, they would just call Ricks up and then have him play ahead of Ringo on game day. If that's the way they felt. Jeff, how much have you had a chance to see uh, the Cowboys, maybe the rest of the division? You're talking about three teams, two and all, including Washington giants, one and one giants with some injury issues. They play Thursday night, but how, how have those teams, you know, what stood out to you? Have they been kind of what you thought they were going to be? Who's been better? Where, where do you fall with those squads? Yeah. Snippets of the, of uh, all three teams, probably the Cowboys the most, yeah. uh, especially this past game. Uh, it's really good. Um, clearly the Jets aren't that good of offense. Um, yeah. The Giants aren't that good of an offense. So maybe inflated a little bit, um, what everyone's saying about them right now. But uh, clearly, um, up front, they have as good as any defensive line. And Micah Parsons is probably one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in the NFL right now. So that's a concern. They were a good team last year, right? Yep. Um, they got pretty close to beating the 49ers. They would have played the Eagles in the NFC Championship. So they're in the conversation. Um, but it's a long season. Let's see how it plays out. But yeah, I think we always thought that they're going to be in the conversation in terms of uh, Eagles Cowboys. I think the Eagles have the edge in terms of the coaching, um, but, but they have a great defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn and maybe, you know, McCarthy calling the plays, maybe that um, helps them out. I don't know. Uh, the giants. I mean, I was, I mean, I was getting texts from people being like, you know, <laughs> God, this team is horrible, blah, blah, blah. You 67 know. nothing to start the season. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden they turned around and win. And yeah. and I was, you know, I picked them to go to the to be like the third wild card team. So how dumb mm. do I look? Um, but maybe not as dumb because they won the game. Yeah, it's early. Because I, I thought, well, there's got to be a team that that you know was kind of on the upswing last year that's gonna make it that maybe and people were talking them up a little bit. I wasn't really completely like talking them up in terms of like, hey, they could they could do something. Yeah. And, and I just did Daniel. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they went out and got some guys to help them, but like, I don't know. Some of those guys just haven't, just don't really kind of uh, pop to me. Paris Campbell. And then you got Darren Waller. Go, all good players, but are they really, are they on the upswing as opposed to being on the downswing and Saquon Barkley at this point, I just, um, and he's been banged up. Good player. I love him. But uh, as a Penn, former Penn Stater, but um you know, so th that and then the the commanders are two and zero. smoking mirrors. That's unbelievable. It, it, uh, it, yeah, I mean, I guess some of that has to do with the opponents that they played. Uh, Cardinals and I, you know, that Denver game was weird. It, it, they went yeah. on a thirty-two to three run. Yeah, they, you know, yeah. In that game. I know. I mean, I, I guess uh, Eric Bieniemy deserves some credit. He does. Um, 
they have players. I mean, that defensive line that Mark, yeah. Mark, uh, Montez is a sweat. sweat. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they're, they're like bottom feeders, mm-hmm. um, in the NFC, but to have, um, only one loss out of the whole entire NFC East, that's pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty impressive. I mean, it's a team that had three playoff teams last year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Jeff, um, you know, a- across the league, the first two weeks, we've seen a lot of sloppy football in the NFL, which yeah. is to be expected. But but let's stay in the NFC in particular. And, and we always stack them like Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, Cowboys, Niners. Is there another team in the NFC that you're keeping a close eye on and why? Well, it's got to be the 49ers. No, I'm saying outside. Oh, oh I'm outside sorry. I missed that. I'm sorry. Three, outside of the Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners, is there another team you're keeping an eye on? I still feel like there's a significant drop off um, okay. to the next team. Okay. Um, I guess the Saints are two and zero. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, but that division um, has done better than people uh, thought they would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seahawks had a win after yep. first week loss. Yep. Are you buying um, any of Tampa, Jeff? You know the, the Tampa, next opponent Tampa's here. Two zero, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I like Todd Bowles. I think he's a smart guy. He's obviously one of the better defensive minds in the league. Uh, that'll be a test for the Eagles. Uh, we saw what he did with, to Jalen Hurts in the playoff game a couple years ago. So can he can he kind of replicate um, that again? Uh, he doesn't have the same type of uh, talent, I guess, on that side that he previously has had, but certainly still has players on defense. Um, no, I think what we're going to see, I mean, like the fact that the Eagles have played, um, I wouldn't say played poorly, but played as uh, below their standard that we saw last year and still be 2-0, um, is is pretty amazing um but they just have superior talent than, than most teams right and that's going to save the day a lot of times when the coaching or the play calling isn't up to snuff uh and then and then like you said it's early in the season there's going to be mistakes um the eagles last year in in the first couple of games um that game against the Lions was, there were tons of mistakes in that yeah. game um the vikings game a little cleaner but they only they they beat the team they well, aside from that late touchdown, they would have beat the Vikings this year. They beat the Vikings by more points than they did even last year. Um, so, and 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 I always you got to put these things in the proper context too, because like you know everyone's like, oh, in Philadelphia, it's like the end of the world. It's the end of the world. They're two and out. Yeah. Um, but look at the rest of the league and and the teams and how they performed, and look at the, some of the better teams. The fact that the the Bengals are zero and two, right? right? Um, who saw that coming? Uh, the Chargers. The Chargers are zero and two. Two of the best quarterbacks, 0-2. Denver with all their hype, Jeff, 0-2. Right, 0-2. So, um, but we've seen uh, this rodeo before, teams jumping out to 2-0 starts and then reality catching up to them. Yep. Yep. All right, Jeff, listen, man, thank you. I appreciate Appreciate it. it. Always, always appreciate your time. And again, check out Jeff's work at Jeff underscore McLean on X or Twitter, inquire.com. And he's got the great podcast. I tell everybody to listen, uh, uncovering the birds. Always very interesting subject matter on that. Jeff, yes. appreciate it, man. Nice, Good guys. Always enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Take appreciate care. it. All right. That is Jeff McClain. Kind enough to hop on for a couple minutes there. All right, Derek, we'll come back. Got some more NFL stuff I want to throw your way. Also some college football related stuff to that okay. crazy Colorado game, which things get weird a- a- after that one, which I'll tell you about uh, when we come back. Some numbers for you as well. Birthdays, movies. The whole nine. You don't want to miss any of it. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. 
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging with us. He's Derek. I am Rob. We're Sports Stake. If you could hit the like button, appreciate it. If you missed any of our interviews earlier, we had former Eagle Leonard Weaver on to talk about the present state of the birds and also the injury last night to Nick Chubb. He went through a very similar injury uh, that actually ended his football career. Uh, so, yeah, he, he knows of what he speaks. But if you missed any of that or you missed Jeff McLean, any of Jeff, uh, you can always just go to Jacob Sports YouTube channel and check it out or any of the shows. We always appreciate that you guys go back and watch. Uh, and thank you to everybody. Uh, all right. So uh, a couple things here, D-Gun. So we talked about that crazy Colorado Colorado State game right. on uh, on Saturday night, which was which was wild. right? I mean, it was Woo. it was chippy. It was highly entertaining. Here's the number. Keep in mind, this was a 10 o'clock East Coast kickoff. Right. Nine point three million viewers, the most watched late night college football game ever on ESPN. That game didn't end until two thirty. Dude, let me tell you something. Every time Dion's Colorado team takes the field, there's some new record being established. Yep. The man is making that university money like they've never seen, giving that university notoriety, even back in their heyday in the 80s. Yep. That college team didn't get nearly the notoriety this team has gotten in three weeks. Yes. What a what a 
stroke of genius and luck on the part of the University of Colorado yes. to get not just a new head coach, but somebody who's outspoken, visible, flamboyant as a Deion Sanders. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, and they they face Oregon uh, this Saturday. It's the three thirty game on ESPN or a- ABC. Excuse me, it's a- ABC game. Now, this is the part of sports that you just we we where we've gotten so out of control here. Um, so there there was a a a cheap shot on Travis Hunter along the sideline. Travis Hunter's the two-way player for Colorado. He's going to be out a couple of weeks uh, with it. But Henry Blackburn was the safety who hit him. Yes. Um, So someone decided that they were going to post both Henry Blackburn's address and cell phone number and his family, including his parents' address and cell phones, which turned into death threats for him and his family to the point where police had to get involved. Um, this is the sick part of what goes on in our society now. Uh, now, thankfully, to Dion's credit, Dion Sanders spoke today about how uh, this needs to stop. We don't yes. encourage this. He's a yes. young man. Uh, he has forgiven him. Uh, Travis Hunter has forgiven him. There's no place for this. Uh, so Dion's trying to squelch this thing, too. But this has obviously been a very scary situation for this guy and his family over the last couple of days. There's, there's a lot of sick individuals in our society, Robin. That goes without saying. When you have the, the, the nerve and the audacity to take time to threaten a young man's family, um, I, I wish the FBI could step in. And I guarantee you a lot of people that made these threats do it on these anonymous accounts and, uh, accounts and these fake accounts. Now, supposedly with our technology, you can track down a lot of where these fake accounts. I wish they would find them and lock these people up and, and teach them a valuable lesson. Yeah, because that is sick. You know, it, it, OK, the young man gets hurt. He's going to miss a couple of games. I get it. You know, he didn't die. Thank God. You know, it, it was we're not talking about a death. And even if it was a death, you still don't have the right to threaten to kill somebody in their family. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah, it was ridiculous. This is where sports gets out of control. Yeah. And this is the ugliness of sports that I hate to be a part of, man, and have to talk about. But we see this all the time. Who was who was the football player last? Yeah, week? last week got got a racial epithet you know, thrown his way because oh, because he uh, didn't have a he, he didn't have a good game. Alexander Madison. Yeah, like, after the it was Vikings fans, not yeah. Eagles fans. It was yeah. Vikings fan. Not that that even matters, but Vikings fans, you know, going after him because he didn't have a good game. And this is why I say our society, Rob, is, is you know, in a lot of ways has come a long way, but we have so far to go. No doubt. As a, as a people and as a nation, yeah. you know, that, that, that this young man, he's just playing football. Was he overzealous? Yes. Did he yeah. take an unnecessary shot? Yes. We see it happen at every level of football. Yeah. Guys take cheap, cheap shots. Kareem Jackson right now could be suspended because two consecutive games took devastating shots. Yeah. He, Headshots. He, uh, Yep. He hit the, uh, the Logan uh, Thomas. Logan, Logan Thomas dipped his dip the crown of his helmet right into right into his face. After the catch was secured, he launched himself and shot himself into Logan Thomas and knocked that man out. Yeah. And he's already been fined over fourteen thousand dollars for a previous transgression earlier week. This happens in football. Crazy. Well, come on, man. Seriously, yeah, yeah, we got we got to get it together. Man. I mean, people get it together mentally, man. It's not yeah, yeah. it's sports. Yep. Yeah. My goodness. Well yep. said. Uh, well said. Uh, last thing on Colorado. So you, you know what? what go, ahead. Yeah. go ahead. You said Colorado. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that the, their projected win total before the season by ESPN analytics, 2.7. So they've already surpassed it through three yes. games. 
and, and including this Saturday's game, they still have six games against ranked teams. So we're going to find out just how good this Colorado team is. Yeah. But you're talking about stuff outside of football that shouldn't take place. And I, and I think I sent you this to tone. I just saw this today. Jason Whitlock, you know, gets on his platform again and says, Dion told 60 Minutes God sent him to Boulder to resurrect the Colorado program. But if you look at the sidelines Saturday night, it looked more like a gangster rap party than a Sunday morning service. I mean, come on. Seriously. What did uh, the rock being there uh, offset because there were a couple rappers there, Kawhi Leonard, that, that turned into a gangster rap concert. How how often Rob do we see entertainers at sporting events on sidelines? Invited by the team all the time. At the college ranks and the pros. You mean to tell me you haven't seen prominent, you know, uh, uh, prominent entertainers. Go, and, go to a Lakers or a Knicks game and look, oh at, look at the courtside seats. Oh, my goodness. Really? Do you need clicks on your platform that badly? You come out with something like that. This? That guy does. <laughs> That's does. unbelievable, man. I, yeah. just, I don't get it. Dude. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. I, whatever. It, it's it, like to me, it, it, it's. It's it's made Colorado football entertaining. Nobody's done anything wrong. No, none of, there hasn't been any kind of issues with anybody who's been there. It's been, it's a fun atmosphere. It's a yes. cool additional yeah. storyline to everything else yeah. that's happening in, in college football. I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't understand what that kind of response is. Uh, Mel Tucker, speaking of college football, Gunner, looks like he's out. Uh, hey. he's, he's been told that he's going to be fired. The, the school has the intention to fire him uh, pending sexual misconduct uh, case. Uh, Tucker's not taking it lying down, though. Um, he said that there are other motives at play and that there's been a bias against them uh, throughout the process. Oof. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Uh, he said in a statement to ESPN, he claims his firing is a miscarriage of justice and came because Miss Tracy's improper public disclosure of the entire 1,200-page investigation file regarding his baseless complaint against him. He said, let's be clear. I don't believe MSU plans to fire me because I admit it to an entire consensual private relationship with another adult uh, who gave one presentation at MSU at my behest over two years ago. Uh, By firing him, Michigan is aiming to avoid paying Tucker more than 79 million remaining on his contract. You do wonder, you know what I mean? You do wonder what's going on. It's out there. Now, now Michigan has Michigan state has a scramble and see how, because they haven't officially fired him yet. Correct. They have uh, not fired him officially yet. Yep. We know he's suspended without pay. Right. But he hasn't been fired yet. So now right. Michigan State, based on the allegations of this coach in question, now they're going to have to they're going to really have to treat this with kit gloves now. Right. Because it sounds like Mel Tucker is not just going to go away. He's going to go after you. So you better be you better be right on on all these fronts. That And I'm thinking about and if I'm Michigan State, I'm thinking about, OK, what else could he possibly have? to use this as fire against us. We have to yeah. be real meticulous and, about this. And and uh, Mel better make sure they don't have anything against him. But anyway, like true. it's, That's true. That's we true. always talk about this. It's the, he said, she said, she said, he said, he said, he said, she said, she said, whatever. The only, there's two parties who really know what went down here. And that's Mel Tucker and, and uh, the, the person they hired for that, you know, sexual harassment seminar that they gave. I, I don't know. I, I, it'll come out in the wash. I'm hoping, you know, we'll find out what the deal is. Yeah. Yeah, I why hear you, man. But why would you put yourself in that situation, man? I, I, it's it's not right. It was not a good move. And yeah, and you. But the thing is, you have to be so careful in these high profile jobs. Even like, it, it, is it right that you have to act that way? That maybe you know, Joe Q. Public doesn't know, but it is what it is. That's the gig. 
you know, that's the gig. It's, you get paid a lot of money. You have high exposure. It is what it is. So, yeah, I don't know. That one, that's a tough one to see what ends up happening there, um, you know, with that. that. That's for sure. It'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, the Giants are not ruling Saquon Barkley out, Derek, for this game on Thursday. Um, Brian Dable took to the podium today, said he's queeling, queeling, <laughs> healing quicker. For those of you who can speak, unlike me, he is healing quicker than they anticipated. And he said, I, I wouldn't count on that just yet. Somebody asked him if he was out for the game. That's all. I mean, it doesn't mean he's going to play, but he's not definitely out. That's all. Uh, that, to me, that's the part of gamesmanship that's going on right now. Did you see his ankle roll when he twisted? I, it didn't look good. I saw him being helped off the field, too, where he could barely put any weight on it. And, and especially when you're talking about your, your ankles are a significant part of your ability to cut and push off and drive forward. Yeah. Um, you're going to tell me the initial report goes from three weeks minimum to now possibly playing four days later after this injury? I don't. I I'd don't. buy it more if it was a Sunday game or a Monday yeah. game as opposed to a Thursday game, you know? Yes. Now, I, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. I just think it's gamesmanship right now to try to. Well, first of all, you're not you're not throwing the 49ers off, whether Barkley plays or not. I, I, you're not throwing the 49ers off, their defense I, off anyway. But I just think it's a little gamesmanship going on right now. All right. I, I mentioned uh, some Eagles who are still eligible uh, for the Hall of Fame. And yes, I, I see the chat people. Yes, I can't speak. You're correct. <laughs> uh, um, so th- uh, you got a bunch of guys who are uh, first time eligible here. Let me throw some names at you here. Some pretty, pretty good players. Okay. Ju- Julius Peppers. Yep. Antonio Gates. Yep. Um, right. I mean, they're, they're eligible for the 24 class. Uh, Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, Jamal Charles, uh, TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, Max Unger, Haloti Nagata. I'd say the first two. First two, and maybe Mac, maybe Nagata. Maybe, maybe Unger. Maybe Unger. Unger was really good. Great center. Yeah, I remember. Um, maybe Unger. Yeah, I, I see two definites there. Jordy Nelson's not getting on in there. You no, know, he's good a very he good. Won. He's a very good, not great. Yeah, but he's not He's not getting in there. And a number of those other names you mentioned as well, they'll be on the ballot for years to come. Yeah, but I, I, I definitely, I mean, man, you look at Peppers. Peppers has 159 and a half yep. career sacks. That's the fourth yep. most um, since that became official. And, and Antonio Gates. What I he mean, did as a tight end. His nuts were, his, his, his numbers were insane. His nuts. <laughs> You know it's getting late in the show now. I'm getting I'm getting goofy here. Uh, he has 955 yes, catch. <laughs> a catch. He's <laughs> nuts. He's nuts. Show's over, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Show's over. Thanks, everybody. Drive home safely. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, geez. oh my God, man. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. My Sorry, people. I, I this is my first time with this mouth. I'm getting used to it. Oh my gosh. Uh, That's awesome, dude. Oh my goodness. He played with big nuts. No. Um, so 16 uh, years for him. Um, oh Eleven thousand receiving yards, 116 touchdowns, and 955 yeah. catches. I mean, yeah. come on. If those two aren't locks, I, I don't know. What is, yes. <laughs> this show's over. We got like 10 minutes left. The show's over, Rob. You just blew it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, here we go. It's all coming down. Now. Nuts. <laughs> Words are hard. 
Oh my goodness. Wow. You know what though? I love these lighter moments. These unscripted lighter moments, I love them. Oh, that's great. Oh my God. That's what it's all about. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're even going to be able to do birthdays at this point as, as uh, goofy as I've gotten here with some of the stuff. Um, these nuts? All right. Let you, let's try it. We'll do a little birthdays. Let's see how badly I butcher some of these names and, and birthdays. Oh my God. All right. Jimmy Fallon, late night host. Uh, you see, he's, he's under a lot of heat. Did you see where his staffers are all complaining about his, uh, his mood swings? Yeah, what's up with that, man? Like, I, you either get good Jimmy or bad Jimmy. In bad Jimmy days, everybody's afraid. <laughs> yeah. He seems knows? like just a happy, pleasant person in fr front of the camera. Yeah, he does. He does seem like that. But We yeah. all have those other sides, though. Uh-huh, yes. One day I will learn to speak. speak. And that day is not today, Mr. Taz. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's Kevin. I, I, look, I, look, I, at Jimmy, look at Kwan. Jimmy Fallon's nuts in, in the news. <laughs> 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 all right so he's 49 today uh the actor david mccollum uh is 90 years young today from uncle yes uh one of your favorites the 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 television batman adam west yes born on this day in 1928 yes he was the original batman he was he, he was with the bam and the pow and all yeah. the, all the, the know, signs yeah the Dude, boom those costumes back in the day looked like Halloween get up. And he was like out of shape. It didn't, it, it was not a flattering costume that, that Adam West was uh was did, wearing. Did you ever see the episode where him and Robin were dancing with Catwoman or somewhere else? And you had you had him going like this. Yes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, seriously. Uh, so at one at one point he's like fighting a shark. It, it was on this, it was great. It was great. Um Jeremy Irons, the actor, is 75 years old today. Great actor. He is a great actor. Uh, Mama Cass Elliot, who was from the Mamas and the Papas, died yep. a long time ago, but she was born on this day, 1941. Uh, Trisha Yearwood, country singer, uh, is 49 today. Wait, 49 or 59? Oh, 59. 59. Sorry. All right, Rob. I, I tried to give her 10 years, man. Come on. Right, Rob, nice. I got a question for you. 50, uh, uh, yeah. she, she is 59 and still? Uh, still strong. Okay. All right. Yeah, Just still strong. Yeah. All right. Uh, Trey Young. Is 25 years old today. Uh, Sana Lathan, I believe that's the correct pronunciation. Excellent actress. 52. Yeah, Sanai Lathan. Sanai, Sanai Lathan is 52 years old. I loved Sanai. her in Aliens versus Predators. Great role. Great she movie. was great in that. She's. I like her in everything she's in. Yep, Blade. Uh, she was in Blade too. So She's jacked too. Like she's cut. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Allison Sweeney, she's an actress and a host, is 47 years old today. The model Twiggy is 74 years old today. Yep. Um, Brian Epstein, who was like the Beatles manager, yeah. uh, he died very young of a drug overdose, but he was born on this day, 1934. The great Niles Rogers yes. is 70 today. Man, what a prolific artist he has been. Uh, Lita Ford, the singer, is 65 today. Randolph Mantooth, one of the greatest names in acting. He was in Emergency from back in the day, but Randolph yeah. Mantooth is 78 today. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, now yeah. in the Cowboys, 33 years old today, still Shoot. performing at a very high level. I'll tell you that. Joan London, uh, formerly Good Morning America, is 73 today. Bill Medley, the great singer, 83 today. Uh, DeJounte Murray, uh, now a Hawk, is 27 years old today. The great Joe Morgan. The great Joe Morgan. Absolutely. Born on this day, 1943. All right. I, I brought, I threw this one in there, Derek, because I have a personal story 
Sherry O'Terry, who was formerly on Saturday Night Live, oh, is yeah. 61 today. Yeah. My aunt used to babysit her. What? My no, aunt. Man. She lived on my aunt's street in Upper Darby, and my aunt babysat her all the time. I didn't even know she was from Philly. Yes, she's a Philly girl. She, awesome. she was like three doors down from my aunt, and my aunt would watch her like a lot back in the day. Did you ever get to meet her? Did you ever I see met her? her when we were kids? She's okay. older. She's like, I was probably like seven, and she was probably like 17 or 18. Yes, 10 years but she older. was always like, she, this was like, she was around, and I would see her, and she would always, yeah, you know, like running around. All, yeah. You know. yeah. But yeah, absolutely. That's you cool, go. man. Your 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 fifteen seconds of fame. That was it. That was it. Uh, <laughs> Soledad uh, O'Brien, uh, news uh, anchor, also uh, was on Real Sports as well, which uh, is, unfortunately is coming to an end. She's fifty-seven today. Yep. The great Duke Snyder, uh, yes. born on this day in nineteen twenty-six. Man, what a what a phenomenal player he was for Brooklyn back in the day. Um, yeah, that's all I have uh, for birthdays. Do you have any other ones? Uh, yeah, you got uh, Danielle Panabaker from uh, Friday the 13th movie. Uh, she's 36 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eva Moore, actress and, and, and former pro wrestler, is 39. Uh, Rosemary Harris, uh, great actress who went from playing Aunt May Parker in three of the Spider-Man movies to playing in a weird movie, but it was it was pretty good called uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Okay. Uh, 96 today. Okay. Uh, Nick Massey. Guitarist for the Four Seasons, uh, born on this day in 1927. Katrina Bowden, who played in uh, or Bowden played movies like Scary Movie 5, Piranha 3D, is 35. Victor Williams from The King of Queens. Uh, oh, he's good. I like Victor. 53. Uh, Columbus Short, great uh, choreographer and uh, actor, played in Stomp the Yards, Cadillac Records, Scandal, is 41 today. Raja Bell, former NBA player, is 47 on this day. Yeah. Uh, who else do I have? Here? Oh, uh-huh. Mel Stewart, who was the original Henry Jefferson on, on All in the Family. Remember? Before oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. Yeah. He in the in the um, in the yeah. All in the Family before they switched over to Sherman Hensley. Yes. There was another there was a different. Yeah, it, it, that's him. He played. It wasn't George. He played Henry Jefferson. Yeah, he was he was Henry's brother. I mean, George's brother. He was George's brother. Yes. Yes. Uh, C.J. McCollum. Uh, New, Orleans, uh, New Orleans Pelican point guard is 32. Uh, Candy Delfer, one of the greatest jazz saxophonists I've ever heard. She's an incredible jazz musician. I love jazz. She's 54. Ryan Sucker, a uh, punter, who's a free agent still out there. Right. He's 37. Okay. Good ones. Good ones. Okay. All right. Uh, birthdays now. No, movies. Uh, movies. Movies. Sorry. Man, you're all over the place. You okay? I'm, I'm, I'm putting to the, uh, to the finish line here. How many fingers am I holding up, bro? <laughs> Five. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, Goodfellas, one yes. of my all-time favorite movies ever, uh, yes. is 1990, came out. Still running it quite a bit. You can catch it a lot on cable. Uh, Funny Girl uh, with uh, Barbara Streisand, 1968. Yes. Moneyball, Brad Pitt, Jonah yes. Hill, 2011. Best in show, the year 2000. L.A. Confidential, great movie. Yes. Uh, 1997. Uh, Walk Among Tombstones, good movie, solid, uh, 2014. Yep. Not bad. Uh, this is where I leave you is also 2014, uh, 2003 Underworld. Yep. And 2014 Maze Runner. Yes, sir. That's it. Oh, man. That's it. You got them all. All right. We're on the, we're on the, uh, the same page. All right. So, uh, 
the hey, Robert Dris Robert Driscoll says, Rob, you probably need a bite to eat. I do. I, I you know what? I think you're right, Robert. I, I did not uh, properly. I, I wasn't nourished properly before the show started. What, what, <laughs> what else is new? Um, so uh, let me catch up on what the Eagles have uh, going on here. So they're, uh the media schedule is as follows, Derek. They're back at it tomorrow at practice. Uh, coordinators will speak. Thursday, practice again. It'll be Sirianni, locker room, and Hertz. Friday, practice again. Saturday, practice again. Normally, Saturday's a walkthrough. Yep. Sunday's going to be the walkthrough. Then they hop a flight for Tampa. And uh, let me see if that I, – I mentioned the, the line in that game moved down uh, to five and a half. It was six and a half. It is – let's see. It has moved to five and a half. It's, it's still five and a half right now. Still five and a half. Okay. So your Monday games are the Eagles, Bucks, seven fifteen, Rams, Bengals yep. at eight fifteen. So you got a pretty desperate Ram or uh, Bengal team, who we don't know yet if if Joe Burrow is going to play uh, in, in that game. We'll, we'll dig a little bit more into Tampa um, tomorrow because I'll tell you, you know what they're doing right now is pretty impressive. They have Mayfield in a good spot, I think. And he's not committing, you know, any any kind of stupid yep. mistakes. Yep. yep. Uh, they're absolutely getting after the quarterback. They had six sacks last week. Now was the Bears, um, so you have to take all that into into uh, you know under advisement when you're looking at this thing. But still, I mean, nonetheless, there's uh there there's uh there's they're playing a lot better. I think this game's going to be more difficult, as is the Rams game, than we thought when we looked at the schedule initially. And that's the hard and dangerous thing about the wins and losses when you do that. I think it's going to be real interesting. Baker Mayfield has not turned the ball over, and the Eagles have six turnovers defensively in the first two games. Right. That's going to be an interesting matchup to see who wins that turnover battle. Yeah. Because the first two games, the turnover battle has been directly responsible for the Eagles uh, finding a measure of a good measure of success in both games. Mm -hmm. So um, how well can Baker protect the ball this time against this Eagles defense, this pass rush? This uh, run defense is going to be real interesting. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, we'll put a bow on this thing. Hopefully, I'll learn how to talk tomorrow. We'll see. You got to stay Me tuned. Yes. Want to thank Tone to Shields for producing the program. Thank you, Tone. Thanks everybody in the chat. Uh, appreciate you guys. Everybody streaming. Everybody listening. D Gun and I are back at it tomorrow at the same time. Don't go anywhere. Yep. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way next. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time for D-Gun and Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes 
ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.